How's that, how's that chocolate? No, is it amazing with the coffee going over it? It is good. It's an interesting uh, combination. You know, usually I'm always doing, like I said, milk and sugar. So I like milk chocolate, but I do appreciate the way this is working together. Mm-hmm. It's good, man. It's, it's real good. It's been, <laughs> you're like, this is great. It's been my new thing uh, the last month or so. Maybe the last two months just trying different dark chocolates, and I finally honed in to a very, very dark chocolate, which is this 100% cocoa. No blame, this 100%. There's nothing else in it but cocoa. No sugar, no sodium, no, no cholesterol, nothing. Huh. It's great. Hmm. And you have that coffee go with it. Yeah, man. It's something. It's and an interesting both, kick. They're single origins from Africa, you know? Hmm. So it's they have a lot of the same, I don't know, they have a lot of the same things in common. Being single origin pieces from Africa. Where is this one? Is, is it Ken- Tanzania? Tanzania. Yeah. And then I believe this one was Ethiopia. Ethiopian yeah. coffee. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's good shit, bro. All right. Well, am I allowed to swill on that? You could say whatever you want. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just need to double check. You no, you're check. good. Say whatever you want. Do you want to tell the guests your full name? I have a hard time pronouncing it. Yeah, that. sure, sure. Uh, my name is Adirin Ebru. Uh, a deer in like a deer in headlights. Mm. Another thing I've learned ever being here in America for a, a deer. good amount of time, like a deer in headlights, a, <laughs> a deer. In. But if you were in, if you're even in Nigeria, people have a heart. That's where I'm from, from Nigeria, guys. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that in a bit. But <laughs> in Nigeria, what people, people, because I'm from a smaller tribe, people um, aren't used to hearing my name. Right, and so they would say it the exact same way as the Americans would say it, which is adhering, right? But if you were to go to my tribe, if you go to my state where I'm from, um, the village or the cities from where I'm from, it's adhering. That's how it's actually said, adhering. 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 Yeah, that's how it's said. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. Even like I said, even Nigerians don't. You kind of emphasize an yeah, N at the end. Exactly. Adhering. Adhering, yeah. Adhering. So you yeah. say a deer, like saying a deer in headlights, and then at the very end of the deer in, you add like another N, yeah, like a deer yeah, in. Exactly, yeah. Can I get you just a little bit closer? Oh, to that sorry, I'm too no, far. You're good. Yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. Yeah, you're, man. Well, thank you for being here, Adhering. Thank you for Did having me. Did I say it me, right? Ben. Did I say it right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you said it right, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had a, a fun conversation on the way back. I, I went and picked you up from where you live in the city, and. I was trying my best to keep it benign and not not talk too much about you because I wanted to save that for the podcast. Yeah, and uh, yeah. thank you for being here. Hey, man. I, uh, I only met you recently once, but I found your stories and story mm. quite fascinating. And uh, and then once you went into the other things you do besides being a drummer, because I met you as a drummer of the mm-hmm. band Miles from Exile. Yeah. And you guys were great. Great, great metal band. Thank you very Had a much. lot of fun doing that. You're a great drummer, by the way. Oh, thanks, man. And... Uh, but then, rusty, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> I mean, they don't know that. <laughs> they don't know. YouTube doesn't know that. But uh, yeah, you brought up interesting things like the guys were in one zone and you were in another. You were talking about like the devil and God are raging inside of me poster I have mm. and the OK Computer poster I have yeah. at Radiohead and brand new. And just you were like, yeah, they're, they're, they don't talk about that as much. But I'm like really into this and this and that. And you were kind of just going places. <laughs> and then you were talking about boxing. Yeah. And then Muay Thai, yeah. which is kickboxing. Yes, a variant and, of it. And then, yeah, which I'm going to let you yeah. reiterate and go over all that. And then you said you're an attorney, and I'm just like, all right, don't say anything more. <laughs> we got to talk, because you just said so many contrasting things that normally don't be so. They're not normally associated with each other. Mm. And you're an immigrant. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And so, like, you put all that together, and it's just, like, a, a very beautiful, unique thing. So nice, I want nice. you to talk Thanks, about that. Man. But before we go into that, right. I wanted to promote this artwork real quick. Yes. <laughs> uh, by Diana... Ah, before we went on air, we were trying so hard to figure out how to say her last name because there's a lot of consonants next to each other, and that gets tricky for for me personally, like Z's and R's and mm-hmm. and Y's and K's next to each other. Pierzik, Pierzik, yeah. Diana Pierzik. Um, she's a phenomenal artist, uh, illustrator. She's sold her artwork at DZ Fest before. I kn- I've known her for a bit. Very cool person. Very talented. Check out her Instagram. Uh, Diana Pierzik, and yeah, follow her, like her. I'm very grateful she donated these two pieces of work, which I haven't had time to get frames because they were brought over yesterday. But I'm gonna definitely frame them up and have them run the house to uh, to promote, display, and most of all, enjoy. Mm. So yeah, check out her work again, Diana Pierzik, and uh, thank you, Diana, for bringing those in. All right, now we're back to. Uh, Deer it. Deer it. Oh, God. I was oh, like, man, I was thinking, like, what is it again? <laughs> it's, it's all right, man. You're doing all right, man. It's challenging. <laughs> I mean, I'm used to Ben. Like, no one I know has a hard time with Ben. It's like, Ben, right? Yeah. It's Ben. Yeah. It's, it's very, you're blessed, man. You're blessed in that, <laughs> in that regard, man. But I think it's cool to have, like, a. You, you have a different perspective. I on mean, it. don't go c- committing <laughs> any crimes with a name like a deer. Everyone's going <laughs> to. <laughs> you know, they're going um, to they're they're find you. You know, but uh, mm. funny enough, actually, it turns out that was like there's another, there's another Adirin who's in Chicago. Um, I think he's a doctor. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's the only one you've ever met. Yeah, yeah. He, he he found me. We were just it was just on on LinkedIn. Mm. I've never met him, but he he was like, "Your name is Adirin, <laughs> and you're in Chicago." We need to hang out. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, man, when the world is safe again, you know, well." Uh, Grab a few drinks. Or whatever. <laughs> you know. That's so, yeah. so funny. So yeah, you don't meet many people with uh, a deer in. Mm-hmm. And um, would you want to start off with kind of just saying where you're from, maybe you're, you're a little bit about your background growing up, because sure, sure. I know it's a very unique story. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, <clears throat> I was born in the United Kingdom. I was born in London, uh, and uh, to Nigerian parents. I am Nigerian. It gets a little confusing for people um, because they say, how were you born in the UK? And, you know, but you're Nigerian or like, well, being born in the UK after 1981 does not give you UK citizenship. Um, There are a couple more hoops you have to jump through in order to be a UK citizen. Um, And uh, my parents, who are very much Nigerian, um, they had all of the things that they were doing back in Nigeria, and they had no interest in keeping their son in the UK for five years continuously without leaving the country. And that's what would have, that's what would have been required for me to become a UK citizen. So I lived half of my life essentially going back and forth between Nigeria, uh, Lagos, Nigeria. That's the, the city. That's a very large city. Very large city. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like we call it the New York of West Africa. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I uh, lived between Lagos, Nigeria, and London, uh, England, UK, United Kingdom, and it would be one of those things where I would be back in Nigeria with my, with my, fr- with my family, my friends, you know, going to school uh, during the school year, 
And then when it was time for summer vacation, summer holidays, as we would call it, didn't start saying vacation until I came here. Or <laughs> 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 still, you know, go for summer holidays, we would go to the UK where we, we lived. We had a flat there, you know. It's just I wasn't in the flat for five years continuously after yeah. I was born. Yeah. So we would go there. And then Christmas as well. Christmas, we would either go back to the village in Nigeria, because Lagos is not a village at all. It's not, and that's not the city we are from in Nigeria. So we would go to the, the village um, to see grandparents and, and, all that, and some other extended family. Or we would go to London, where the other extended family I have is in London. Were those... Those seem like two extremes. Yeah, man. They London and a village in yeah, Nigeria. Man. You can, you can. Which one do you think I wanted to do? <laughs> Christmas. I wanted to go to London, man. Yeah, those are <laughs> wow. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure that had a profound effect on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like just having the one of the most extreme westernized cities in the world, London, yeah. England. Yeah. Kind of the epicenter of westernized culture. Yeah, yeah. And then you have some of the most traditionally like unique old school human this is where people came from yeah in many different ways or it's a very old culture mm -hmm. a village a tribe in, in nigeria you know yeah wow that's yeah. pretty beautiful oh well thanks man i'd never seen it that way but <laughs> <laughs> well it takes takes yeah, someone you, else it to takes see an outside it. eye yeah, always yeah, does yeah. yeah 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 so wow so you went back and forth and yeah. um was it was that hard? Was it weird? Were other kids doing anything like that? Yeah, that's kind of how people live in 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 Nigeria. Okay. I mean, if you some Nigerians have a more have more of a connection with the UK than others. Mm. So Nigeria was a British colony, and because of that, um, I know we were, we were talking on the way here. We we're talking a bit about Nigeria. I told you that English is actually the national language. Mm -hmm. uh, not a lot of people know that. Uh, there's only two really only two British colonies in West Africa. It's Nigeria and Ghana. We're the only two who speak English. That is that is our national language. It's English. Um, <clears throat> so there is a connection. There's a real connection between the people in Nigeria and the people in the UK. In fact, we have, there's some jokes that we like to say. It was like, the only place you're going to find more Nigerians than Nigeria is London. Mm. <laughs> I mean, they, they just... We're just there, man. Is like, that because of the colonization? Yeah, yeah, it's because of it. You know, there's just, the connection is just there. Okay. You know, um, even, yeah, man, like, uh, and then there's some people who it's with America. There's some Nigerians who had more of a connection with America, um, and they would come to America all the time. So you'd have kids who, in my circumstance, my time out, outside of Nigeria was in London, there's some people that their time outside of Nigeria was in the U.S., maybe in New York, more than likely, very often New York. Mm -hmm. Or I guess in the past couple of years, it's been more like Maryland or Texas and places like that. But Chicago, when, not so much of a... Uh, when I was growing up, it wasn't really... I didn't know people who were coming from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, it was more Texas, uh, Maryland, um, Atlanta. Mm -hmm. But um, not Chicago. Although there are a lot of Nigerians in Chicago, don't. That's not to say that there aren't. There are a lot. Um, but when I was growing up, is all I'm is all I mean. Just going back to the whole UK. And, mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so go, I lived back and forth between the UK and Nigeria up until when I was eighteen. And when I was in school, I started off school in the British system. The Nigerian system essentially is the British system, and then. 
I transferred into an American system, an American international school. And when I was in the American international school, I took the SATs. I didn't take all the exams that all the Nigerian kids and the British kids were taking. I took the American exams. And I didn't want to have to take any other exams when I was done <laughs> taking those ones. Yeah. So the choice for me as to where I was going to do my higher education was sorted and settled because Adirin wasn't going to be taking any more te tests. <laughs> I didn't want to do no more math yeah. to get me anywhere else. So I was like, I'm going to America. I'm not, I'm not going to the UK because mm -hmm. to go to the UK, I have to take foundational courses and I have to you know, take some more tests and I didn't want to do that. So I took SATs because I was in the American system. And so I, uh, I came to America. And um, Was it your first time here? I mean, I'd visited America. I had an auntie mm -hmm. um, who lived in uh, New York. So I used to go and I used to see her. Okay. Um, and I had come to America for space camp when I was in the fourth grade. That's amazing. Yes. Was it in Texas? Well, it was in Florida. Florida. Okay, Florida, Florida or Texas, yeah. I could see that being a thing. Yeah. It was wow, a good time, cool. man. It was great, man. They had them dip those ice creams that are like dots. It was dip, amazing. Dipping dots? Dipping dots, man. <laughs> I, you know, I went around, I seen all, oh man, it was great. It was one of the best trips of my entire life. That's I cool. Got, I, first time I got like a, I got a, a Scotty Pippen jersey, man. Oh, cool. I got the Charles Barkley shoes, man. Oh man, it was bomb. That's awesome. <laughs> was great. And that's when those guys were at their prime. Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is like uh, mid nineties. Mid nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a so you growing up, you spent time in parts of America, parts of England, and parts of Africa, yeah. specifically Nigeria. Did you go anywhere else in Africa? I mean, I visited places when I was really, really young. We had gone down, um, uh, down, down to South Africa. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think, and, and around Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe. I think it was Zimbabwe. And um, when I was in uh, secondary school or high school, as you guys call it here, um, when I was in, in high school, I went to Ghana. Mm. So I visited Ghana as well. Um, and I think that's it, really. That's Actually, a lot, though. I haven't been, I haven't been, uh, people who've been, there are people in Nigeria who've been to a lot more African countries than I have. Well, you didn't grow up there fully. Yeah, yeah. You know, true. I'm sure you would have yeah. went to more if you did. Yeah. Still, it's a lot of traveling to these three different countries and uh, continents, you know, throughout your life. Not a lot of people go to different continents like that, uh, yeah. you know, as a kid, especially to like for, for reasons like school or living. Um, so when did you get into to any type of martial arts or, mm. or, 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 or fighting, you know, yeah. when that happened? So, um... I, a, lot, a lot of people, re even my family members, they forget. Um, I was so when I was growing up, I was really into comics and cartoons and action figures and all these things. And mm -hmm. I'd seen the characters on Street Fighter, you know, the, the you know Ken Ryu yeah. and all the rest of them. Were, and I was like, I like that stuff. And then one day I was at school. This is very very long time ago, early nineties, <laughs> and. Um, I was just kind of mucking about after school, and I saw some people wearing the same outfits as those guys in the Street Fighter, Ryu and Ken. And I was like, what is that? I want to be involved in that. Six years old. And I found out that was Shotokan Karate. And they were like, yeah, this is, what, this is Shotokan Karate. And I was like, they're, they're wearing the Street Fighter outfits. I want to be involved. So, yeah. <laughs> so I got involved at six. Wow. Um, uh, and I trained in that. Um, on and off a little bit between the ages of six and maybe around eight or, or, or nine. And then 
um, I think a little bit later on, maybe when I was 10, 11, I really started taking it seriously. And um, by the time I was 14, I had my black belt. So, um, yeah, 14, definitely. And that's a black belt in what again? In Shotokan Karate. Shotokan yeah. Karate? Yeah. So, Do you wear, it's a gi? Yeah, so you wear a gi. Wear a gi. I know very little about martial arts, by the oh, way. Oh, okay, okay. I'm going to preface that. You're the one who's the expert here <laughs> sure. who's going to inform me sure, and sure, people man. listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I find it fascinating, but I don't, I don't know much about it. I never did it or anything. Mm. And, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting art form. It, oh, yeah, it truly man. is an art form. I just, it gets, I think it could get a, a bad rep amongst people just because it's yeah, violent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think there's much more to it than that. And I think oh, yeah. uh, movies, Hollywood, and just being misinformed has, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. given people a different, uh, you know, misconception about it. But so you started at six. Yeah. What are they teaching six-year-olds? So when you, when you start up, and this is a, a criticism that a lot of people kind of give, you know, on the other end of the spectrum. So, you're not, you know, you were just talking about the criticism people give of martial arts where it's like, it's violent or whatever. On the other side of things, especially if you're growing up in Nigeria in the 90s, <laughs> like I grew up, it was like, they're saying to you, you guys are just dancing around in costumes. You're mm. not really, you cannot really hurt anybody, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they're correct. When you start off, that's how it is. You're not really, I mean, they're teaching you how to throw punches, but those punches are not very practical. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're teaching you how to throw kicks. Those kicks, again, are not very practical. Although, if you hit, did punch someone the way they taught you how to p- punch someone in those classes, and you kicked someone the way they taught you how to kick someone in those classes, it would hurt. <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? And you would have a lot more control over your ability to hurt people than they would. And I think that's really what it boils down to. It's about balance. That's what they teach you when you are six years old and you are taking martial arts classes balance, balance, balance. Um, You need to be able to find your center, Mm. right? And that's one thing I see a lot of people struggle with as adults when they come into the boxing gym, when they come into the Muay Thai gym or the MMA gym. They don't know how to just even stand Mm. when we're talking about fighting. And even though the way people stand in Shotokan Karate is not the way I would recommend you stand in a street fight, um it does lend itself to teaching you how to fight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when you're six years old, seven, eight, whatever, and you're doing Shotokan Karate, um, you can stand, find your center. You can throw punches really crisp, really, really fast. You can kick and have enough balance to put the foot out there, bring it back, and put it back where it was. So you are balancing on one leg, for most of the kick. And it's not like a fast and then come back. It's a bring, chamber, right? You bring the leg, you chamber it, you kick the leg out, and you keep it there. And then you bring it back to the chamber and you put it back in the holster. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Balance. That's what that is about. If you don't know how to do that, if you've not been doing that since you were six years old, and you now want to fight when you are... 35, the guy who's been doing it since he was six has a huge advantage (laughs) over you. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, so you've been doing this for 29 years because you're about to be 35. Yes. So three decades you've been fighting in some capacity. In some capacity. Wow, so that's, it's uh, kind of like when you learn an instrument young, when you learn another language young, when you learn anything young, 
the ability, like you were just saying, the ability you have, because it it goes to that deep part of the brain, and the way, it's kind of part of how you see the world, because yeah. your memories are so young at that age, and and for the rest of your life, if you continue to do stuff from a young age, you're, you're so it's like it's hard to explain. You probably have to think about how you have to explain something because it's so part of yeah. what you do that you're like, I don't know, it's just natural, but I guess I have to figure out a way to explain what I just said. Mm-hmm. But when really it's like inherent to everything you do yeah. from yeah. six years old. And and so you did that from six to eight. Oh, no, no. I did that from six to 14. Oh, you mean the balance thing? Yeah. Oh, yes. yes. Okay. Like so six, six to eight. Yeah, six to eight. And then at 14, you got your black belt. Yes. And where did you go from there? Um, so first of all, to get the black belt, just to, to clarify... So for people who are listening, and it's just so I don't offend the Shotokan Karate co- yeah. you know, yeah. community, yeah. you need to spar and you need to fight people in order for you to get your black belt. So That's you were not fighting kids at, yeah, I you was were hitting com- each other. Yeah, I was in competition by the time I was 13. Okay. Yeah. Were you, how, what was the competitions like? Were you, were you doing well? Were you excelling? I, I, I think I did well. I only <laughs> lost one. I only oh. lost one fight. How many did but you? But I lost it in a bad way. <laughs> oh, you knocked out? KO. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I was fi- I went up, so I was doing well. I think it was in two different committees. I won all the first one. I won all the the sparring that I was in. Sorry, I walked away from. No, I moved okay. away from the mic. It's all good. Uh, the first one I did very well in 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 all the things, and then um, I the second one I was doing very well, and then they, but the the re- the thing is that they didn't have enough kids to kind of like really categorize you, put you in the groups that you needed to be in. Mm-hmm. And I was a brown belt at the time. I think I was a first dan. I think I was a. Well, they don't call it Dan when you're, when it's when it's not black belt. Maybe Kyo. I think it was Kyo. I can't remember what it is. I can't remember the number. But I was a first degree brown belt. It's the long and short. I can't remember the fancy names. And the only other people that they had for me to compete with were a first degree black belt, a first Dan, and a third degree brown belt, who was about a year or two older than me, and he was a big boy. So, so it doesn't sound fair. Was not exactly. There was there was no other first degree brown belt around. Yeah. So it was between the first Dan black belt or the third degree brown belt, who was two years older than me mm. and a big boy. And two years at the age of thirteen is huge because puberty is a thing. Age of it puberty is a thing. thing. So fifteen and thirteen is massive. It is a thing. <laughs> I'm just giving you background as oh, to you, why I, I lost this. Well, <laughs> I remember, like, I'm not comparing this to what you did, yeah. but I remember playing, we did a lot of backyard sports, you know, mm. and I remember, you know, playing football and, like, being 12 or 13, then there was, like, the kids that were two, three years old, and they had yeah. a huge advantage. Exactly. They were three, four, five inches taller. Yeah. Their bones were more developed. They're stronger, more, you could tell. They took yeah. you out. So I can't imagine actually physically having mm-hmm. to fight them because I was scared to play just football against them or yeah, basketball. Man. So I... Yeah, that, and with the experience of the black belt, you put you yes, couple those together. That's another thing. Oh yeah, that's another thing. That experience there is there is a reason why. I mean, an argument could be made that maybe the school that you're going to, the dojo that you're at, is teaching better, and they're keeping you at a certain level of belt longer, and so you may have more experience than that third degree brown belt. But that's neither here nor there. Well, maybe I did. Anyway, we started off the fight. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to the fight. What yeah. happened? I, I was doing all right. I was, I felt like I, you know, we, you know, the way it works, it works in Shotokan Karate is you get your point and then you have to reset. Once you've scored a point, you reset, right? It's not like boxing where you just keep going at it and then you stop. Right? Mm-hmm. You get your point. If you've ever watched Karate Kid, that's, you know, that's what it is. You know, you, you get your point, bang, and then they were like, okay, chill out. Go to your corners. 
and then you get back at it again. Yeah. So I think I, I got like a point the first time round and maybe even the second time round. And it was like, this guy didn't want to lose. He wasn't going to lose to some smaller kid who's not even the same level brown belt that he is. And I, I was like, I don't know how it happened, but I was getting, I was feeling confident maybe what it was. And I was getting in very close to him and I was rushing to get to him because I wanted to get my point so I could move on. And he did a spinning back kick and he didn't clip his nails. He did a spinning back kick. He turned around and I was very close. I was running to him when he was setting it up and chambering the kick. I ran towards him and he went bam. And his leg just went boom, ext full extension. He got the way, it was textbook spinning back kick. Bam. And his nails scratched me across the chest like I was Sagat from Street Fighter. <laughs> like I had a huge, huge scar and I just flew. Oh I just flew across the auditorium is where we were at the time. The auditorium had been emptied out so that we could uh, do this competition. And I flew. And I remember my coach, Coach Alfred. Coach Alfred, my guy, man. He's, he's the best. I, if he's, I don't know, Barnes or whatever, <laughs> miracle listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> to this, this podcast. He came and he was like, Adirin, are you all right? And I was like, uh, I was just kind of like, the wind knocked out of me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm all right. I was like, and he was just like, no more. Yeah. It's done. It's done. You don't, people don't get knocked out in committee. I mean, they do, but not when you're like 12, 13, yeah. 14. But like, I was up on points and it was over from there. So you got knocked up from a kick to the chest. From a kick to the chest. That's a hard kick to knock yeah. you out. That's not good for your head. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it go, boom, boom, and I flew. Yeah. I flew. I'd never been hit like that before. And that was my first loss. Pretty much in life, if you will. <laughs> you haven't lost since? Oh, have I lost since? I lose in the gym all the time. But, but what about like an actual? But an actual fight? No, I haven't lost. Really? No, I haven't lost. No. You guys hearing this? <laughs> we got Floyd We got Floyd Money Mayweather I don't have here. 50 fights, though. No, so <laughs> I don't have a lot of fights. I don't so have a lot of fights. This is in, uh, that was in one form of martial arts. And then yeah. what happened beyond 14 once you got your black belt? Right. So so when I was... In uh, what country are you doing this? So this is in Nigeria. You're doing this I was in part Nigeria. of the Nigerian Shotokan um, Karate Association. Okay. I didn't know if it was in England or Nigeria. No, 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 no. Nigeria. Okay. Um, and um, so after that, that was in like my um, my primary or if you, I guess you would call middle school mm -hmm. um, is when I was doing competition. And then I had to go to secondary school, high school, in a different state in Nigeria. And um, when I got there, there really wasn't um, uh, the structure for karate or, or anything like that, all right? So I couldn't join a new dojo, a new karate, a new karate dojo specifically. But there was a guy there. Again, I'm gonna give a shout out to my guy. I text with him all the time still. I'll, I'll probably direct him to this <laughs> podcast so he can listen to it. Mm -hmm. There was a guy at my uh, at my high school, his name was Steve Sarah. Shout out to Steve Sarah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Sarah is uh, half half Lebanese, half uh, French guy, um, and uh, just like another famous French speaking man, Jean Claude Van Damme. Mm. He was really into Jean Claude Van Damme. I, I used to love him. Bloodsport. Oh, Bloodsport, bro. <laughs> he, oh man. But more importantly, Street Fighter the Street movie. Street Fighter the movie, the best movie ever made. 
the best adaptation of Street Fighter. <laughs> I used to love that movie. I don't think it's a good movie, just to be honest, but it's Bro, fun. Even it's fun. as a kid, I was very upset with that movie. <laughs> oh my God, that movie brings me back. <laughs> anyway, so Steve was really into, he was really into Jean-Claude Van Damme. He was really into um, Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee's form of fighting, Jeet Kune Do. He was really into um, Jet Li, all these guys, you know, Donnie Yen. And um, he was a third degree black belt in Taekwondo. And he had also done karate. Um, but he was, he had done, he had been doing this stuff for so long. He was really, really good. Like he was, I remember the first day I met Steve, we were, he came to me while I was just kind of hanging out, you know, after school or whatever. And he was like, hmm, so I hear that you do martial arts. You do karate. I was like, yeah, 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 I do karate. He was like, hmm, I hear you're a black belt. I was like, yeah, 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 I'm a black belt. He was like, cool, cool, cool. I'm a third degree black belt in Taekwondo. I was like, oh, no shit, really. He's like, yeah, man, we should train. We should hang out, we, <laughs> we should train. We should hang out, we should train. I was like, yeah, man, definitely we should train. I was like, so show me some of the stuff that you've been doing in Taekwondo. He was like, hmm, okay. And there was a tree branch, like, around where we were. And he was like, you see that tree branch? I was like, yeah, yeah. He was like, okay. And he would lift his, his trousers, his jeans. He wore baggy jeans because it was the 90s. Or, well, was it? It was like maybe 2000, whatever. 2000, it was still the 90s. Yeah. And he, like, would pick up his jeans. And he looked at it, and he just put spinning. He just put, he spun twice in the air. He spun twice. His kick was vertical. You get what I'm trying to say? It, oh, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a horizontal. Oh, yeah. like I mean, up. sorry. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. It was like, he spun twice and he hit the thing. And I was like, bro, let's train. <laughs> <laughs> you had me at hello. Yeah, man. I was like, let's train. Yeah. So me and Steve, this 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 guy, we started training Jeet Kune Do, uh, Muay Thai, um, an amalgamation of different kinds of kickboxing. Um like sport karate, kickboxing, um, all these kinds of things. We just started doing that every single week, maybe twice a week we were doing that. And then it started to catch on. And kids, other kids in the school, they were seeing that me and this Steve guy, we were doing this thing and they wanted to be involved. So we started this thing called After School Fight Club. <laughs> Is this around the movie Fight Club? Did well, we had se- well, we'd all seen bits and pieces of the movie Fight Club, but yeah. we didn't call it that because of that. Yeah. Because Fight Club is different. It's, yeah. it's a different yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. It's a different thing. We all, everybody knew what Fight The first rule of our after school Fight Club was to tell everyone that there's yeah. a Fight Club. Please talk about Fight yeah, Club. Yeah, yeah, there's a Fight Club and you should come. <laughs> Second rule is please, please yeah, talk please, about please Fight Club. Yeah, please, please talk about Fight Club. There's a Fight Club and you should come. <laughs> Very different. Yeah. So we started this Fight Club and we would just be training, man. We'd just be training. Twice, because there were other sports that you could do. There was basketball, which I was shit at, even though I'm tall and black. <laughs> I, it was basketball. I was shit at basketball, bro. I would. There was there was football, oh. soccer, as we as you guys call. It. There was there was yeah. actual football, soccer. I was shit at that, you know. And then rugby was the only one that I was fairly decent at. Why? Because it's a contact sport. And you hurt people. <laughs> That's why, <laughs> that's why I was, I mean, basketball, you hurt people, but that's not the goal. No, it's not the goal. You know, yeah. I'm only good at sports where. So football, like, like American football. Oh yeah. When I was growing up in the American school, they got, they would, I played football. You look like you'd be a football yeah, player. I, mean, I played, yeah, yeah. You're, you're nearely 6'3", like yeah. 220. Yeah. yeah. And you're a football player. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if the sport involves 
you're supposed to hurt the other person. Yeah. I'm good at that. Yeah, yeah. I'm good at that sport, you know. So, so chess, you're not good at chess. Chess is not good at, man. <laughs> chess are not good at. I, don't, I still don't even know what all the pieces are. <laughs> you know, I don't <laughs> That I cannot do. Yeah. So, like, um, we all kind of started this fight club. And for four years, essentially, we were just doing that, that, that fight club. Just learning, learning how to fight, not learning how to do what it is that you're supposed to be doing in karate at that point. Learning the different kata that you're supposed to be... So kata is like the... Um, when you stand and you do the performing kind of dance type of exhibition of moves. That's what a kata is. Do you kind of get what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. I don't know, like... I'm trying to think of a good, a good uh, description from like, pop culture. So not like a warm-up. It's, no, it's not. It's it's the main event. Okay. It, it's I don't know if you've ever so again, let me use karate kid. If you've ever seen them just kind of standing and doing things with their hands mm -hmm. and things like that. That's not really what kata is, but it's the best thing I can use to is describe. It some type of um is it like a, a physical, mental yeah, energy it, warm up type it, of thing? Let's put it this way. It's like the way one of my senseis so taught it to me and maybe he just was saying it so that I would kind of get into the, the mindset. I don't know if this is actually true, but this is what he told me. He said, kata is based off of a scenario that one of the masters was in, right? One of the people who formed Shotokan karate or Okinawa karate or whatever kind of karate it might be, they were in a scenario or someone was in a scenario. They fought X amount of guys, right? And this is how they fought them. <clears throat> These are the things they did. They blocked here. They punched here. They turned around. They kicked. They did this. They did mm -hmm. that. And so you are going through the same motions of what that person did with imaginary people mm. around you. A form of respect? Um, I guess so. But also as a way to internalize the techniques. Oh, okay. You know, to yeah, learn yeah. how to do these techniques. Sounds right? like there's a lot of things you're... It's meant to be for. Yeah, like you're yeah. supposed to get a lot out of doing it. Yeah. Not just one. Exactly. Okay. And you'll be tired. You'll be sweating. You'll mm -hmm. be drenched when you're done with it. Because there's the technique is like, so there was one of my senses that was like, your gi needs to crisp in a certain way when you throw a punch in this particular part of the kata. Mm. It gets very, very to the detail. It's chore like a well-choreographed Yes, thing. It's, a it's like a choreographed dance, but it's okay. a violent dance. <laughs> Very violent. Right? It's a violent dance of blocking and punching and kicking and yeah. turning around and chopping and all that. Yeah. Yeah? Um, but that in itself, again, remember I said it teaches you balance, teaches you like awareness or body awareness and all mm -hmm. that. It doesn't teach you how to fight. Right? It doesn't teach you how to fight. What we were doing in Fight Club is we were fighting. We were always sparring. We were always sparring and we were taking serious damage. I remember there was a one fella that I sparred with. This is another, this is again why I said I haven't lost in like competition, but like I consider that a loss in, in my book. This one fella, he just walked up to me and he just threw a knee. We were getting ready to spar. He just walked up and threw a knee, boom, right into, right into me. And the pain just resonated from my abdomen all the way down to my groin. And that was it. The fight lasted Less the sparring, it was a fight. The, the sparring lasted all of five seconds. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you learn lessons like that in Fight Club. I'm sure you learn lessons like that. Well, I guess you do, because I, I just told a story of a lesson that I learned when I was 
13, 14, getting kicked across the yeah. auditorium. That was a lesson to be learned too. But this was a lot. We were, we were just fighting twice a week. Just fighting twice a week. We had no pads or anything. We had some pads. Yeah, pads. We had pads. pads. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and learning too. So once we were done fighting, we'd be like, okay, what's a new thing that we want to learn how to do? You know what I mean? Sometimes we were just making things up, but we were there. You, well, and, like, you and the other kids. You and the other kids. Now, were you having actual training from a, a teacher? Or from no. A, so you're just doing. We it were just self-taught. Teaching ourselves and from ever, was was there other kids from other backgrounds? Like you had the one kid, yeah. Steve. So Steve, who had the three the three black belts in in taekwondo, you had me who had one black belt in karate. And then we had some other kids who had done some other things, but it was really me and Steve. So you guys are the leaders as yeah. far as your accomplishments, yes, um, validity behind exactly. it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. When did you start? You mentioned Muay Thai, yeah. and I know you're a Muay Thai fighter. When did you start? taking that serious or going further down that path. So when I was done with um, with high school and I came to America and uh, I... Uh, Sorry, for college? For college, Which, yes, which yeah. university? I went to a small college called Calvin College. Or I think it's called Calvin University now. It's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. Um, and uh, I was looking for... I was looking... I try, when I was actually applying to universities, I was trying to apply to universities that specifically had a karate program. Mm. Um, I think, um, I can't remember which one it was. I can't remember. Anyway, I couldn't find a school that had one that I, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, so when I got to Calvin, I was like, well, what am I going to do? You know what I mean? And I essentially just stopped, you know, for a while. I didn't do anything. I didn't do any karate or anything like that. I just kind of lifted weights and, you know, watched a lot of Kung Fu movies and things like that. I didn't mm -hmm. really do anything. Yeah. And then when I finally got out of, um, university and i i came to chicago that's when um i kind of got back into um martial arts and it, this is 2008 yeah like I, I so i I, uh, I, I think i arrived in 2009 i okay. still wasn't doing anything and then I, as you know i play in this band that's how we met mm -hmm. um, i kind of had to make a choice as to what i was going to do in my free time i was in law school at the time which law school i went to loyola law school okay um, Loyola, Chicago. And it was like, man, I don't have a lot of free time. What am I going to do? What's my thing going to be? I chose it was going to be playing drums in a band. Did you, um, when did you start playing music? Oh, music I started playing when I was 15. Okay, so you're in Nigeria, you're, yes, you're playing yeah, music, drums? Yeah, playing the drums. Any guitars or anything? I, I picked up the bass for a little bit, but then... Mostly the, drums. Yeah, they they essentially told me, our drummers, shit, you need to, you're good at playing drums. <laughs> yeah. Why are you playing the bass? Play the drums. So you played drums and you were fighting yes. in Nigeria. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Th those two things are so different. Actually, they're, they're not. They're different and they're not. They're not. Because they're also not different from law. Because in law, guess what you're doing? Yeah. You're fighting. It's adversarial. You're man. fighting with, with yeah. rules. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You're and some are kind of arbitrary, to be honest. Yeah. You're fighting with just fighting words. fighting with words. I mean, I was, I was. I and guess was, what you're doing with drums? You're fighting with time. You're fighting with time. Ah. <laughs> you're you fighting like to fight, with time don't you? And, the, and like things that are supposed to be humanly impossible. Yeah. So you, you know? like to fight with time, you like to fight with words, and you like to fight with your body. Yeah, I guess so, man. Anything else you like to fight with? I don't know, man. That, that, that's, that's it, man. And I'm guess a what? very cherry person. You pick up chess, you're fighting with your mind. Fighting with, you know, I've always been very... <laughs> I love the Queen's Gambit. I don't know if you guys have seen that... <laughs> That show, oh, yeah. maybe that's what promoting shows. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But that's a good movie, and I'm like, I need to learn that play chess. No, we'll promote them if Netflix promotes Promo- us. Promotes us. Know, Netflix yeah. needs to pick this up. <laughs> Netflix needs to pick this up. Come yeah. on. <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, what was I? Uh, yeah. So I, I, I didn't do nothing for a while, and because I, I had to make that choice, and so I played with Miles from Exile um, for most of uh, my my law school. You know, that my time at law school. And but, that's, sorry, for those listening, that's the band you're in, yes, Miles from Exile. I'm in a band called Miles from Exile. And you play drums. Great band album just dropped on the 1st of February. Awesome. It's called, guess what, Miles from Exile. You can find it. It's very easy. We've had records that came out before, and they were called other things, but there's a record out right now. It's called Miles from Exile. It's pretty good. I'm chuffed about it. It's nice. Go go listen to it. <laughs> That's awesome. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you very much. So you have a new record out. Yes, yes. yes Self-titled. Yes. Self-titled. Easy to find. Easy to find. <laughs> cool, cool, man. Bandcamp, milesfromexile.bandcamp. Isn't that on streaming services? Yeah, yeah. It's on, Spotify, it's on yeah. iTunes, Spotify, Apple, all cool. that good stuff. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Good, Sorry. good. Anyway, enough about them. Bad. No, <laughs> feel free to talk about any things you do. So, yeah, yeah. So I played. I, I was playing with them for most of... Uh, of, of uh, law school but then um as as you know uh justin who plays guitar in our band he's a lawyer as well Mm -hmm. um he's very very clever justin's very smart i don't i try not to pay him compliments to his face (laughs) but he's very very intelligent and he was able to manage playing um in miles from exile and doing all the shows and all that kind of stuff and studying for the bar exam at the same time Mm. you know he very very he's a very very sharp guy, uh, Justin. Um, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do it. I'd learned from the first two years of my law school that ah, I'm, this is not I'm not Justin. I can't. Do, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to do that, and I cannot afford to fail the bar exam. Mm-hmm. So I essentially had to tell them, look, guys, I gotta I gotta dip out, man. Uh, I gotta I gotta pass this bar exam. Either that, or we need to really slow down the schedule yeah. of 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 what we're doing with this band. And they were like, oh, I mean, we're kind of picking up steam at this point. I don't know if we want to slow things down. And I was like, you know what? That's all right. I'll Let's find somebody to replace me. Um, someone that we know, that we're friends with, that we're cool with. And so we did. We found a guy who we liked. You know, we played. He played in bands with us, different bands around at the time. And so he replaced me. And I went on to take the bar exam and become a lawyer. Right? But by the time I was done with that, you can't just be like, hey, you the other guy. Adirin's done now. Why don't you fuck off? <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah, no, no, no. That's <laughs> you know not I mean? cool. It's not cool. And also, they they've been gelling. You know, they've been yeah. gelling. They've been, you know, you you know how it is. You're a musician. You get it. You know. Yeah, yeah, of course. So you know, I just kind of like, oh, well, we'll we'll leave it then. You know, me and the guys in the band, we were all still friends. It wasn't no hard feelings or anything like that. Um, so I was like, all right, cool. Well, I now have more time on my hands because. Um, a, I've now graduated from uh, law school, and um, B, I'm not playing drums. So uh, what am I going to do to fill out that time? Um, and at the time, I had a foot injury, and I couldn't run. I'm doing a lot. I usually would run for my cardio and, and then lift. And I was like, man, oh, oh, man, let me hit the bag. And so I went, and I started hitting the heavy bag because my foot was uh, messed up. What year is this, would you say? This is, oh, man, maybe 20, 20 I want to say 2013. Okay. I want to say 2013. Um, I was hitting the bag and, um, you know, I was like, man, this is great. And just, you just, that competitor in me, I was like hitting the bag. And while I'm hitting the bag, 
people would, a guy, another guy actually at the gym who did belong to a Muay Thai gym would come and see me and be like, man, you, you know, I, I come to, I, I'm at the Muay Thai gym. You should really come to the Muay Thai gym and train with me. And I was like, nah, man, I'm just doing, I'm just trying to get this cardio going. I'm not trying to compete. I'm not trying to do Muay Thai. It's all right. He was like, okay, all right. And I keep hitting the bag. And then there was an, a, another fellow, uh, uh, a trainer at that gym at the time as well. And he was like, man, I seen you. We should do some stuff. We should do some stuff. I was like, okay, well, as long as it's here in the gym, we can do that. And so I started doing stuff with him, hitting pads. She started showing me some things, really getting me into boxing because I was never into boxing at the time. Started getting me into boxing. We started doing a little bit more Muay Thai stuff. And then I was just getting the competitor in me was just coming out, just getting more. I was enjoying just being aggressive again. Mm -hmm. And then one day with that guy that kept coming by and saying, you should come to the Muay Thai gym. I was like, you know what? Yeah, sure. Let's go. And so I went to the Muay Thai gym. Maybe this is between 2013 and 2014. And as soon as I got there, that was it was a wrap. <laughs> did the um, the part of you that did all that fighting for the first ten? You stopped fighting at eighteen, essentially. So about the first 19, 14, 15 years of your yeah. life, yeah, like fourteen years of your life, you're fighting. Did yeah. That that just sparked. That it, just came exactly. right back. It came right back. And as soon as we started doing stuff, because like in Muay Thai, Muay Thai is all contact. It's not about doing kata where you just. They're imaginary people, mm -hmm. and you're fighting imaginary people. It was like when I was in high school. It was Fight Club. Where we were just, it was Fight Club. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's amazing. Hold on. Hold that thought. I'm going to turn on these headphones for a second. Dude. All right. You're loud, but give me a second. Do you want yours louder or quieter? No, nah, man. I'm all right. You're I'm good? good. Is yours quieter? I can't tell which one's which. Uh, no, mine is good. You're good? Okay. Mine's all right. Just turn it down a little bit. Yeah. All right, so. Yeah. Wait, so, now it's too quiet. Now it's too quiet. Oh, it's too quiet, quiet now? <laughs> There, <laughs> let me try that right there. All right, so you're you're at the Muay Thai gym. Yeah. And how much of the karate, that black belt, how much of that is intertwined or similar? Oh, it, it was, again, I learned really, really fast. Because, again, remember, I wasn't just doing karate when I was growing up. I also was doing Jeet Kune Do, which is just a mix, mm. you know. Muay Thai is part of Jeet Kune Do. Where do those, you know, do you know the history of them? Like, where do they come from? What, Jeet Kune Do? Yeah, what so origins? Jeet, so Jeet Kune Do is um, Bruce Lee's, is this, it's, the, it's the form of martial art that Bruce Lee created. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially called The Way, right? That's mm. what Jeet Kune Do is. And it, the point of Jeet Kune Do is we're not talking about tradition of what you're supposed to do traditionally, how you traditionally throw a punch, how you traditionally throw a kick. We're talking about what works, right? That's what Jeet Kune Do is about. Like, what works as a fighting style? What is the complete fighting style? Mm. So, for example, you'll see Jeet Kune Do, a lot of people who do Jeet Kune Do, they fight out of the southpaw stance. Mm -hmm. When I say southpaw, I mean their right hand is in front. If you're a right-handed person, why are you fighting with your left hand in front, which is the way most people fight, right? Mm. He fights with his power hand in front because when he's fighting you, he's not boxing you for competition. He's trying to end you mm. quick, <laughs> yeah. right? He's trying to dissolve, you know, diffuse the situation by putting you in a nice 
dreamlike state. <laughs> Is that what you consider? That's dream-like? what I would consider. <laughs> uh huh. He's trying to he's trying to get you to take a nap. Sounds yeah. nice. I kind of want to get knocked out. <laughs> right. I haven't taken a nap in a while. So like just things like so it's like why you put why are you putting your why is your dominant hand not first mm. right so he things like things like that you know the way he would throw his punches the way he turned his punch things like that that's what Bruce Lee was all about and so even we would take that kind of ethos when we were doing Fight Club what works one of the first things we realized when we were doing Fight Club was that the Muay Thai style of kicking people was the best way to kick people the karate way of kicking people is not the most effective. It's good if you know how to do it. And there's certain circumstances where a spinning back kick is going to work beautifully if you time it right. And there's certain circumstances where a certain way you chamber your kick and you throw it is going to be great, right? Almost like a teep kick in Muay Thai. We'll get to that. If I'll explain what that is. It's like mm-hmm. a push kick, mm-hmm. right? Sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. Um... Just trying to try, trying to find the sweet spot. <laughs> I found it. There it is. But if you're talking about maximum damage when you kick someone, and that is efficient, efficient and damage, the ties kick the best. No one kicks better than a tie fighter. Why no do you think one. that is? Where did that where did that come from? The, the history of the history of Muay Thai itself and how they came up with that is long and complex. Thousands of years, yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know any of that. <laughs> All I know is I felt a normal karate kick. I felt taekwondo kicks. And I felt a Muay Thai kick. Your life changes when you get kicked by somebody who knows Muay Thai. It changes. The same way your life changes when you get elbowed by somebody who knows Muay Thai. Mm. The same way your life changes when you get kneed by somebody who knows Muay Thai. <laughs> so kicks, <laughs> knees, and elbows, that's mostly... Yeah. And is b- punching too Muay Thai? Or? People punch in Muay Thai... <laughs> But they don't punch like boxes. Uh-huh. Your life changes when somebody who boxes punches <laughs> you in the face. <laughs> so in all the specialties, your life changes when that specialty yes. happens to yes. your body, your face, exactly. your chest, your legs. When you get kicked to the body and you weren't expecting it by a kickboxer, by somebody who is really into Dutch kickboxing, your life changes. When you get, when you get into a clinch position, a clinch position is like wrestling, right? Only standing up. With a Muay Thai guy um, who's big and strong, your life changes. Like you. Your neck is like, it's, I've, I've fought guys that were like, who don't look as big as me, and I've clinched with them. They feel like two of me mm. because they're so good. They're so strong yeah. and they're so good at doing it. Yeah. And your neck is sore for like three days because they're just pulling, they're just pulling at the back of your head. And you have to support yourself by propping your head back up with You're your You're not neck. selling this to me. I hope you I know mean, that. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you, there's a difference between like for fitness and yeah. for self-defense and I'm doing this because I want to fight. I, I, you know what I mean? If I were to do it, I would do the, the, the first one. Yeah. You don't need to go through any of that stuff. I don't want to hit anybody. You, you don't have to. Some of these things I'm saying, you don't have to ever oh, worry yeah. about that. You don't have to worry about yeah. any of that. So you're, this is seven, eight years ago, you start getting into this. Yeah. You're... 26 at the time yeah 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 and you have that advantage of growing up young yes having this stuff embedded in who you are and the way you move Mm -hmm. in um your coordination your balance physical balance and probably mental balance yeah Yeah. 
feels like there's got to be a really strong mental balance to be oh, a fighter. Oh, yeah, 100%. You need to... The real thing that I think that you need from be to, to be a fighter is you need to know how to lose. Oh. You know? But and isn't that a better, a more overlapping metaphor for, like, life? Life. 100%. Yeah. You need to you need to know how to lose because that's the only way you, you really learn. You it know is. what I mean? You don't um, learn when you just keep excelling. Excelling, You don't keep... And you need to be... Um, you need to be willing to challenge yourself and be all right with the fact that maybe you lost when you challenged yourself. Mm -hmm. So within a year of me starting Muay Thai at that age as an adult, I was in competition within a year. Wow. You know, and, um, but like the way that I did it again, because I, I over-prepare just the same way I over-prepared for exams when I was in law school, the same way I over-prepare for fights. You know what I mean? And I would, and that's why I haven't lost because I do all my losing in the gym, uh-huh. you know, um, it got to a certain point because there, and which actually seg- is a great segue into boxing, how I got into boxing. Mm-hmm. I had a fight in Muay Thai, in kickboxing, not really Muay Thai. There were no elbows. And can, can you explain the difference? Yeah, yeah, sure. So Muay Thai is a kind of kickboxing. Kickboxing is a general catch-all for martial arts where people throw legs and they throw punches. It's a general catch-all. Um, but... When people talk about kickboxing a lot of the times, they're talking about the kickboxing that you see in um, like glory kickboxing. Glory kickboxing is a promotion. They're talking about that kind of kickboxing um, where you throw your hands, you throw your legs, you can throw some knees, right? But you don't get to clinch. You don't stay in the clinch for maybe more than a few seconds and then they break you up. Right. Kind of like boxing. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like boxing. They want to keep the action going. They don't yeah. want you to just be tied up in a clinch, yeah. wrestling with each other. Whereas in MMA, in MMA, it's, it's you can whatever whatever yeah, happens. Exactly, happens. <laughs> whatever happens happens. You can yeah. be in the clinch forever. You can yeah. be on. You can go to the ground. You can do jujitsu on the ground. You can yeah. wrestle dead people to the ground. Um, Muay Thai is like kickboxing in that they're throwing hands, they're throwing legs, and they're throwing knees. But in 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 Muay Thai. You can clinch for as long as you want. Mm. You can clinch forever. The entire fight could be in the clinch, right? There's sweeps where you can sweep a person in the middle of a clinch and they fall on the ground and they pick them up and you go right back at it, right back into the clinch. Mm-hmm. You sweep them again. You can throw knees, savage, brutal knees in the clinch. You can throw elbows. No elbows in kickboxing, elbows in Muay Thai. So you're in Muay Thai and you're clinching, you're... you're you're with somebody. Yeah. And you can elbow. You can elbow punch, them. Punch. Yeah. Knee. Knee. Kick. None of kick, this sounds fun, by the sweep. way. Sweep. <laughs> you can sweep. They can sweep you. I've seen guys been swept and they split, they spin in the air oh, and then they land. Man. That's how bad of, like maybe they were about to kick the other guy and they time the other guy's kick so that they have one leg in the air and then they sweep him. Boom. And they flip. <laughs> Do you find that fast paced thinking? To, to manifest in other parts of your life? Um, or does it just kind of come out when you're fighting? Because that's fast-paced thinking. I think I, think. It, it, it is it's fast-paced. It's lightning speed. The place that I work right now, there's a lot of fast-paced thinking as well, but I don't know if my fighting kind of translates into... <laughs> it might not. I don't I don't mean maybe like the fighting, but I think the way your brain fires. Okay. The way that it, the way that it interacts and reacts to Maybe, things. maybe. You I don't think, know how it couldn't. I mean... yeah. Maybe with drums too, you have to be yeah, so you fast, got, yeah, you drums, gotta, especially in a metal band. Yeah, you got to be, and when you make mistakes, you got to be able to clean up, cover, yeah. you know. Um, so maybe, maybe interesting. But uh, but yeah, that's the difference between that's the difference between boxing and kickboxing, man. That's yeah. the, 
I mean, between both. not boxing kickbox, between Muay Thai, Muay Thai, and and general kickboxing. Right. So I was in a kickboxing match, no elbows, right? And right at the bell, um, and they were separating us. The chap, I'm not. He didn't mean it maliciously. It's not his fault or anything. But he threw a punch at me, and I wasn't quick enough to slip the punch. And I, I saw stars, and I was like, I was like, man, I wish I was quick enough to have slipped that. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then we got into the fight again, still, and I just wasn't very comfortable with my hands. I could throw kicks. I was conditioned. I could wear the guy out. And but even though I won, I was like, man, my hands need to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to go to a boxing gym, and at the boxing gym, that's really when I was like, man, this is a whole new thing. There's there's a lot of overlap between um, tr- traditional martial arts, um, sport karate, kickboxing, um, and Muay Thai. There's a lot of overlap, but boxing is a different thing. Mm-hmm. Boxing is a different thing. And w- I, I loved it. I fell in love with it like when I started boxing. And then what I started doing was I would get into, I would be in two different training camps. I would have a training camp that was boxing focused and I would have a training camp that was kickboxing focused, even though I was only getting ready for a kickboxing match. And I would, what I started doing at a certain point, most of my, you know, my flagship fights or my premier fights or whatever, the, the best fights I've had, even though I haven't lost any of them, but you know, the best ones that I've had is I don't even kickbox with guys anymore when I go in there. I go in there knowing what it is that they're going to do as a kickboxer. And because I am also a kickboxer, I know how to defend those things. Mm. But what I do is I go in and I force them into a boxing match. Mm. I force them into a boxing match and I know that they can't box. Smart. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's very strategic. So they'll kick. I'll check the kick where I raise my leg and I block it. Right? Do they still hurt, but just not oh, that much? Oh, they hurt. They <laughs> yeah, hurt. So they got hurt. They hurt because it's shin on shin. Oh. It hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts. But uh. it hurts them more than me because they used all that momentum mm-hmm. to throw the kick. And I just put my shin there. I can't imagine <laughs> knowing that, like, you're going to block it. It's going to hurt. But it's, like, better than, yeah. the, than like, the alternative. The alternative. But also, uh. we callous our shins. We callous our shins because I'm... Kicking the bag, you're kicking the bag, just like. So your shin's extra hard. Oh yeah, my shins are not cool. Like, <laughs> not like cool. They, they're not cool at all. No. Like I've asked people, I've not even kicked them. I told them to just kind of touch their shin against my shin, and they're like, Jesus. <laughs> I'll, well, after we get off air, I'll do that. I, yeah. I'll, I'll check it out. The shin. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah, because we're kicking the bag, kicking the bag, kicking the bag, and we're sparring with like shin guards. Mm. So we're constantly checking kicks with shin guards. Hard kicks were checking. So what happens is they're little, you get little micro fractures in your shin. Mm, right? Sounds delicious. It's great. <laughs> it's great. It's a, it's a good time. <laughs> little micro fractures in your shin, in the bone in your shin, and then they heal up and they just keep healing up and healing up over years. Yeah. And then your shins just become weapons. So you, you got weapons for the last uh, yeah. two, the two decades. Oh yeah. Remember when I was saying... There's nothing, nothing will change your life like being kicked by a guy mm-hmm. who knows Muay Thai. Yeah. That's what it's like. It's like being, it's like someone taking a baseball bat and slit, going to your thigh, just going bang in the meat of your thigh. That's what it's like getting kicked by a guy if you don't check. All right. I don't want to run out of fight. I just want to hire you to walk around me for the rest of my life. <laughs> 
hey man, if the price is right, give me, <laughs> give, give me the money out there. One day, one day, you're just gonna be, we'll be hanging out. Like, don't mess with me. He's got callous shins. Yeah, but Holy yeah, man, God. that's I, what I. That's what I do. I just go. They throw the kick. I check it. Usually, I see the. The, the look in their eye after I checked and they're like, uh, I don't want to do that again. I'm like, yeah, you don't want to do that again. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. I'm like, you're going to box. I know you don't have to box too bad. You could you read know? people's eyes then. What's that? You could read it in people's oh, yeah. face. Like what you they're going to do, it. what they didn't do, oh, what yeah, hurt I them, what didn't hurt I them. I see it. I always know with my shin especially because I put people out in, in practice. We're practicing with shin guards. And they kick me and I check and they're like, fuck, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, so imagine when there's no shin guards. Oh my God. I, I can see it in their eyes when they're like, ah, that really hurt. Yeah. And they don't throw that kick again. And I'm like, good. Now we're going to box. And I know you don't know how to box. Mm. And I'm going to win. I'm going to take my belt or my cup or whatever, <laughs> my trophy. I'm going to go home. Yeah. Right. And if, if you play it, if you play it good, you're just going to give up in the third round and uh, I'm not going to have to knock you out. Uh, how often That's really, do you get to that point where you knock, have to knock somebody out? Does I've that, never knocked anyone out. I've, I've only stopped them. Uh, so it's only been TKO. And that's just because I'm here for five, 12 rounds and you're here for one. Mm. You don't realize, they don't know what it is to fight me when they're there. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. They think that, oh, okay, they're going to do X, Y, and Z, and maybe they're going to catch me in the first or second round and it's going to be over. Like, no. The first round is just me seeing what it is you're about. Yeah. The second round, I put on a lot of pressure. So you're I, studying the first round. Yeah. I mean, I'm fighting them in that first round, but I'm just kind of, I'm cautious. I'm trying to see who they are. You know what do I mean? Do you ever study them before you even fight? Do you ever know about these yeah, people? Yeah, I've seen, I, I do that a little bit. Yeah, I do that a little research. bit. There's a guy that I fought, um... A few years back, great fighter. I'm, I'm going to give him a shout out right now. His name is Adam Tomala. Great fighter. Um, big guy. Very, very big. Very, very strong. And he has great technique. Um, and he, I had the opportunity to see some of his fights before I got to fight him. Because he was stopping guys in the first round. Oh, wow. He was stopping them in the first round. So I got to see. And I, and I knew this guy's got a lot of power. All right? Now, was I afraid to go up against him? There's always a chance you're going to get knocked out. That's the game that we play, right? Mm -hmm. But I, we fight at 205. That's the weight that we fight at. The guys that I was sparring in the gym were 250 pounds. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know what it's like to get hit by a guy who's 250, 280. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Adam had great technique and he had power, but I wasn't like... I knew that if I do what it is that I do, <laughs> I'm probably not going to get stopped. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, I also knew if I do what it is that I do, I'm probably going to get a stoppage in the third round. Yeah. <laughs> Which is usually how it just goes for me. It always stops in the third round. Third round's your bread and butter. But third round's my bread and so butter. So you'd say the first round, you're working the person, figuring out their moves, yeah. their strategy. Their strategy. Yeah. Like studying them. Yeah. Second round, you're probably applying that and, yeah. and, and testing the waters. Yeah. And third round. Third you, round, it starts happening. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even, I don't start kickboxing into the third round. <laughs> I don't start kickboxing into the third round. Wow. The first round, I'm just kind of, you know, probing you with boxing yeah. and checking kicks. When you throw a kick, I block it. The second round, I'm applying pressure. I'm chasing you with my 
boxing. I'm mm-hmm. trying to, I'm chasing you. I'm trying to let you know this is a fight. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to wear you out. If I can stop you in that second round, I will. Yeah. Whether it's a knockout, whether it's you just decide that you don't want to be there anymore. I'm trying to make it as unpleasant for you as possible in the second round. Three minutes is a long time for you to be in there with me. By the time we get to the third round, you're exhausted because you didn't see that coming for the second round. I'm just getting started because I usually spar six, seven, eight rounds. How many minutes are the rounds? Three minutes. Well, two minutes actually, I think in the last couple of months because I think in the amateurs, they make it two minutes. Two minutes. So if you do eight rounds, it's 16 minutes of just nonstop. Yes. Yeah. That's exhausting. You take one minute to rest though. Okay. In between rounds. Is this, would you say the, the weight dropping is kind of like a, a byproduct of the cardio the cardio you put yourself through? Oh, yeah. That's that? a great way to lose weight. Yeah. Like when you're getting ready to cut for, for a fight. Like, I mean, you just wear like a whole bunch of sweats. Um, so the fight that I had, again, I keep going back to this fight with Adam Tamala. It's one of my favorite fights. Mm-hmm. A, because he was good. Yeah. I but mean, you still won. I still won. You still won. I still won. He, he, he gave you a run for your money. I, I won by stoppage, okay. which is what, great. What's that mean? Which means that they stopped the fight. Oh, it's like a technical knockout. Okay. Um, I like that fight a lot because he is good. Yeah. This is a guy that is a good, you know what? Nobody wants to be praised for, oh, that guy wasn't really, you know, that guy that you fought and you big, he, well, he wasn't, he wasn't, yeah. he was a sandwich. He wasn't really, <laughs> he was the same. You know, this guy was 205. He was a real 205. Strong, muscles, tattoos, everything. And he had the ethos too. Very respectful guy. I cannot say enough good things about this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, what were we talking about again? Oh, yeah, to cut for the weight. Yeah. I know that he probably walks around about 15 pounds heavier than what he was in the ring. Same with me. Mm. I walk around, well, after COVID, I walk around a lot more <laughs> than I, when I was in the ring. But generally speaking, I, I maybe walk around at 220, 225, and I fight at 205. Okay. You know, um, so when you're cutting weight for that sort of fight, when I was getting ready for that fight with Adam, I, I didn't have a lot of time. I had just finished an economics exam in my MBA program. I was in, the, I was in an MBA program at the time. And so you, you had your law degree and you're trying to get a master's of business administration? I have a, a law degree. I have a master's in law, an LLM, and I have an MBA. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> and you were like saying uh, you're not, you were praising other people and you're fighting and you're playing drums. I was playing drums, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive, man. Oh, thanks. That's man. amazing. Thank Good for you. you. Uh, it wasn't by choice. It's just kind of how things felt. <laughs> it's always by choice. <laughs> anyway, sorry, back to you. So, so, so I was, I had just finished, I was getting ready for an economics exam. It was the week of the week economics exam. And I think it, we were in, we were at the tail end of June. We're right at the end of June. And I was so knackered, man. I was so tired from just studying for this economics exam because I am not good at math at all. Uh, so I had to do work extra, extra hard to get this thing done. And I remember I was in Chick-fil-A. Another thing that we can talk about, we can talk about why I was in Chick-fil-A. Why I was, <laughs> we'll talk about it another day. They got delicious sandwiches, guys. They got delicious sandwiches. Don't defend they, yourself. They, they, you they, wanted food and you got it. And they were they right in the, on campus, all right? They may have done some suspect things, but they got good sandwiches. <laughs> <And I don't, laughs> anyway, I was in Chick-fil-A. Yeah. I was at a sandwich place. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was at a sandwich place about to eat my sandwich. And I get a text from my, uh, my coach, my kickboxing coach. 
He's like, hey, you want to take a fight? I was like, yeah, of course. When is it? I'm thinking two months, three months. He's like, first of September. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm eating this Chick-fil-A sandwich, shoving my face with Chick-fil-A sandwich in the middle of a very stressful economics exam that I'm studying for. And you're telling me I literally have one month to cut from 226 to 205. And train at the same time. And train at the same time. And finish that economics exam. And finish your Chick-fil-A and sandwich. Finish my Chick-fil-A sandwich <laughs> which I did. <laughs> I think you probably completed was that I sandwich. Did. I sighed. I ate the Chick-fil-A sandwich, got up and was like, I know what we're going to do to get this thing done, to lose the weight, which brings us back to the original question that you asked. I woke up in the morning. I would run anywhere between, I didn't want to overdo it, so I would run three miles. After running three miles, I would do a kettlebell circuit, either a kettlebell circuit or um, battle ropes um, and some skip rope, some uh, jump rope. I would do that at shadow box. That would be in the morning. In the evening, I would go and I would train. I would box or I would kickbox. And when, oh, and for a time, because I was in school at the time and I was, I, my job was remote, right? I didn't actually have, have to go into an office for the work that I was doing at the time. I essentially was controlling my own schedule. Mm-hmm. Kickboxing um, camp was in the middle of the afternoon from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Just a lot of sparring and a lot of kicking and a lot of punching just for like three hours. So I would wake, and that was twice a week. So I would wake up on Monday. Let's say that kickboxing was Tuesday, was Monday and Wednesday. Kickboxing was Monday and Wednesday. So I'd wake up in the morning. I'd run those three miles. I'd do the kettlebell training. That's like from the hours of maybe 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. all the way through to like maybe 8 or something shower, relax, whatever, do my work. 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., I'd be back in the kickboxing gym on Monday and Tuesday. I'd do that on, uh, on Monday and Wednesday. On Tuesday and Thursday, I would do the same thing. I would just run the miles and do the kettlebells, but then in the evening, I would go to the boxing gym and I'd throw punches. I did not lift a single, except from the kettlebells, right? I didn't lift a single weight. Because you wanted to lose weight. You didn't want to build muscle. I didn't want to build muscle. I just wanted to tone muscle and to lose weight. I didn't do it. And diet, all I ate, I didn't even eat red meat. I ate fish, I ate shrimp, and just a lot of rabbit food. Just Mm -hmm. a lot of lettuce, man. A lot of of greens. If it wasn't green, I wasn't going to eat it. No carbs. Well, you know better than anybody that all, all weight controlling and weight up and down is diet. It's diet. It's always diet. It's diet. What you put into you comes yeah, out. No. You can you can box from morning till night. It's not going to matter. You can lift weights from morning till night. You can run around the globe. If you're eating hamburgers and fries and chips milkshakes and, and sodas, all that, nothing is going to happen, especially if you have a slow metabolism like I do. Nothing is going to happen. If you're one of those people who's blessed and you have a fast metabolism and you can eat coffee cake and not see it on you the next day, God bless you. Mm-hmm. Great. I guess you can do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But for me, who I have a slow metabolism, it means no carbs, yeah. no rice, no pasta, no nothing. It's just leaves, just greens, and high-fat, you know, meats. Yeah. 
but not so high that's like steak. You don't want red meat if yeah. you're cutting weight and you have a short amount of time to do it for like life maybe, but like for mm-hmm. a fight, just salmon, salmon, shrimp, chicken. That's, that's what I mostly eat. Yeah. Yeah. Fish, chicken, mm-hmm. vegetables. Yeah. Yep. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And within that month, from the time I was eating that Chick-fil-A sandwich at the end of June to the 1st of September, got on the scale, 202. There you go. I cut from 226 to 202. And you had the weight to lose. Like when you're that big, there's, it's, it's different from being like, if you were like 190, yeah. trying to get down like 170 at your height, you'd be like, yeah. this is impossible. Yeah. But when you have the extra weight to lose yeah. and you do that diet yeah. and that workout regimen, the cardio, the weightlifting, the boxing, the punching, mm-hmm. it's so much cardio. It's a lot. It's you're a lot. probably dropping almost a pound a day. You yeah. Know? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, I mean, the only thing I would say if people are listening to this and they want to do something like that, number one, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't lose a pound <laughs> don't, a day. Don't do that. No. It's not, I don't recommend it. It's no. not a healthy way to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, I did, if you do have a fight coming up and you want to do something like it and you kind of have that regimen that I had, you need to have some carbs right before you go into the kickboxing. Mm. right before you can fast in the morning and you can do your kettlebells and you're running and your battle rope and the skip rope. You can do all of that fasted, but when it's time to hit pads in the afternoon and spar other human beings who are trying to hurt you, have an apple before you go in there. <laughs> so yeah. So if you could recommend good carbs, yeah. something with natural sugars, yeah, fruit, yeah, fruit, have some, have an apple ha- with some peanut butter, have some mm-hmm. pineapple or whatever. You yeah. Know, yeah. It, it, something. You yeah. know, if, if, if don't have a burger, don't have a burger, <laughs> but you do need carbs before you go in there's, there. That's the biggest misconception is the carbs. There's better carbs yes, than other ones. <laughs> yes. There's better carbs than other ones. Yeah. It's okay to have carbs, it's but okay there's better to have them. versions of what, them. Exactly. There's be, better versions of it. Yeah. Exactly. Even vegetables. You'll get carbs out of yeah. vegetables. Vegetables are carbs. Yeah. It's just not starchy. Yeah. You know, carbs like that. Yeah. So yeah, like I would have, I first, when I first, during the first week, I didn't have any carbs. Mm-hmm. Before going into the kickboxing, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm dying. And my coach was like, please eat an apple before you <laughs> come in. Please eat an apple. He's like, please eat some carbs yeah. before you come in here because we're going hard, as you know. I'm yeah. like, yeah. And so I started taking a little bit of carbs before. But outside of that, none well, of When were you starting for this test you were talking about? You had a month for this economic test. For the econ test, it was a week before. It was like right at the tail end of June. Yeah. So, So the last week of June, when I found out about the fight, I couldn't... I couldn't exactly, I couldn't train. You know, all I could do was do the morning. I did the morning stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't go into the fight gym until after the exam. So it was the last week of June. So maybe in the, on the first day of the last week of June, I found out that I had to fight. That's when I was eating the Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The next day, I put on sweats and everything. Yeah. And I went and I started doing the morning regimen, yeah. which is the three miles plus kettlebells or battle rope or skip rope. You're lucky it was summer. I was lucky. It's good, good, good I, time to lose weight is summer. I actually didn't, even then, even if it wasn't summer, I didn't do it outside. I went oh, into the gym to do it. Okay, I thought you were running outside. I went into my, uh, the commercial gym at the time. Got I went it. there to do it. Got you it. Know, a treadmill. You Something know. about summer though, it still motivates you. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, nice out. It is nice. But then also people would have been looking at me funny, like, why is this guy wearing a hoodie? <laughs> when you it's 90 I mean? degrees when out it's 90 Chicago. degrees outside, yeah. you know. So it was good that I was in the gym. People didn't look at me funny. Actually, they still did. <laughs> they still did, but like, whatever. It reminds me when I was in high school, the, the wrestlers would always be walking around with extra clothes. Yeah. Gar- they'd sleep with garbage bags on. Mm-hmm. They had a spit bottle. Yeah. I found it to be a little inhumane. I think it is inhumane. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Be a kid. Yeah. Why are you doing this? I think it's inhumane. It's at a, a certain little... point, the garbage bag... Mm, 
if you have a sauna suit on, okay, garbage bag, I think that's very, very, I think that's bad for you. Yeah. I think it cooks your insides. Yeah, you, your body yeah. needs to breathe. Yeah. Your skin you, needs you to need, breathe. You need a suit that was made for it. Don't yes. just put on garbage bags. You're going to cook your insides. Yeah, the plastic is yeah. not good. It's not good. No. Not good at all. Don't yeah. do that. Don't do that. That's intense. You have a very unique and impressive work ethic to, how did this affect your, your personal life? Like doing all that, working out, the training, school, education, you're far from home. Like what's going on inside your head? Like, with, I mean, yeah, a partner, friends. Yeah. You Do they, know, are they non-existent for that month? You know, it, it's, it's, yeah. You know, they got to be patient. With yeah. Me. You know, it's really what it is. You just got to be patient with me, but they understand. You know what I mean? It's good things. Yeah. When it's, when you're busy because of, for good reasons, especially when it's a short stint, it's not like you're a CEO of some fortune 500 company and you're gone seven days a week, 16 hours a day for years. Yeah. It's like, it's just one month. Yeah. I'm going to be going crazy for a month. Oh, yeah. Please respect that it's yeah. because I'm working on my MBA, exactly. you know, which is a hard thing to do. Yeah. And I'm training to become a fighter, something I've been doing my whole life. Exactly. Two things I love and yeah. passionate about. Yeah, the people in your life should respect And if and they don't okay understand that. that, then you gotta, you're not supposed to be hanging out with them. Yeah, they're not right for you as a friend, as a, as a companion, I as mean, a partner. Yeah, as a partner, yeah. especially, you know, yeah. they don't understand that. Sorry, bye-bye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and and you to them. If they're, exactly. it goes both ways. If exactly. They're, if they're studying for something, if they're yeah. doing something, whether it's a band, yeah. creative, work. Exactly. You got to you gotta be equal with that. Exactly. That balance you mentioned earlier. Yeah. That's that what balance. it is. Uh, you got to be able to, you know, your, your, your partner, your friends, and your family, they need to have things that they're doing. You need to be able to respect those things that they're doing. You got to have things in your life that you're doing they have to respect what it is that you're doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be with someone, right, if the defining thing about them is that they are with you. <laughs> yeah. That should not be the case. No. They should have a thing going on. Yeah. And when it's like that, it's all gravy, man. Mm -hmm. It's all good. You yeah. know what I mean? So, and Same that, thing with your friends. Yes. You, you, you don't have animosity towards each other. Yeah. You do, there's no jealousy. Exactly. There's, it's not a competition. Yeah. I... I love that about when my friends try new things or they want to move somewhere to accomplish a, a job or schooling. I'm all for it. I never want to be like, no, don't leave. Don't leave me. It's like, no, I don't. Yeah. I want you to succeed. I don't need you like in a selfish way. I, need, I, I love certain people. I need them as a person in my life because I get a lot of nourishment and positivity and love from them. Mm -hmm. But I get more satisfaction seeing them satisfied, exactly. seeing them accomplish yes. goals. Going exactly. places. Exactly. You know, even if I don't see them for a year, knowing they went to that city, they got that job, they finished their degree, they're doing cool stuff. That means more to me than them. Well, I get to see them every day and we get yeah. to watch the game. It's a very selfish thing. Yeah, it is. You it know, is. You yeah. want people to prosper in any way. There's no wrong way, but something. Mm -hmm. Anything. Exactly. There's no rules to it. Yeah. You know, and it's not a competition just because you went here and I went here or you fit, did this fight and that person did this fight. Exactly. It's relative to who you are and what you're capable of. 100%. You're clearly capable of some extraordinary things when it comes to fighting. Yeah. And education, I mean, and music. <laughs> well, I mean, with the with the education and thing, it, it was just you know, my dad wanted that kind of stuff. What did he do for a living? My dad is a lawyer as well. Okay, I so I from, could see where. Yeah, I come from a family of lawyers. My okay. two older brothers are lawyers. Wow. You know, and my my mom my mom has an MBA and she has like a big book that says law. <laughs> Hardworking, educated family. Yeah, yeah. So you you definitely had that within you and. No, externally and internally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and my dad knew that 
we were all going to get law degrees because he wanted us to work for him. Oh. He wanted us to work for him. You know, how does um, that make you feel? Are you okay with that? In you know, at first I was. Look, man, when I was growing up, I wanted to draw. I I I drew, I drew all the time. I was very very good pencil artist, and um, I wanted to I wanted to um, I wanted to make I wanted to work in Hollywood. I wanted to and and in the video game industry. Mm -hmm. I wanted to draw, do concept art. Um, I wanted for for games and movies. Um, Street Fighter. Street Fighter, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> I wanted to do all that stuff because I'm very I'm really into movies. I'm really into movies and um, and at the time I was really into um, animation. Like, um, and that's what I wanted to do. But you know, I come from a. A developing, they call it developing now. We back then we used to call it third world country. <laughs> Come from a developing world country, um, or you know, and um, emerging economy country. And um, you know, my father was like, "Nah, you know, if I'm paying for you to go to America, you're gonna get a law degree." You know, so when I came to America, I started off with, you know, there's no law degree as an undergraduate here in America. Right, right. You have to take something that is not law. Yeah. Uh, so I took a pre-law, I got a pre-law degree um, with an emphasis on political science and philosophy. So that's what I did. But my minor was studio art. Nice. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I went, in fact, the first time I came to Chicago was to show off my, my art. I went to like uh, Wizard World. Like I had no idea you were an convention. artist. I haven't drawn anything in years. Oh, I was gonna say I you should have brought some stuff. We could put it up. I used to be. I used to be like photo realistic. Yeah. I was able to. That's draw, awesome. You know, and uh, I took all the classes. I, I was going to. That's what I, I think I was going to do. And I thought that, uh, you know, um, when I was in law school, that I would have time for all that stuff. But like I said, you have you to make choices. You like, gotta make choices. The, it's. Are you gonna draw? Are you gonna play drums? Are you gonna fight? Fight? What's you know? All these things that they require time. So the drawing I haven't drawn in years. I haven't been able to. I don't have time. <laughs> well, the cool thing about like doodling and drawing and notebook is like you can do it within time. You can do it while you you're could. eating you your could. sandwich. You could at Chick Fil A while you're just waiting. You could just you ten could. minutes here yeah. and there. It's like writing poetry. Like it's true. I try to just slip it poetry in there once in a while my phone just write it here and there that's true. or reading you don't you don't have to read a whole book that's read true. a chapter you read a chapter read 10 pages these are facts man they just add up it they just do. takes time because you know when you have that mindset of like you want a lot of something you want to be the best at something it takes more than just five ten minutes yes. you were doing those, those two three hours every afternoon at a kickboxing or boxing kickboxing and like that's time you wish you could do two, three hours in the afternoon of just drawing, looking yeah. out your window at the skyline. I, I am no. that sort of person. That is one thing that I have noticed about me. I don't do things halfway. Mm. If I'm going to do a thing, I'm going to do a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I so, agree with that mindset. And that's kind of how I am, you know? So It I, bothers people sometimes. It does bother people it does. sometimes. You know? it, it really does because yeah. to them, it looks like you're biting off more than you can chew. Mm. So they give you a certain, um, they look at you a certain way. To you... You're not biting off enough, mm -hmm. so you get harder on yourself, and it, it kind of bothers people because I think two things: either they might be jealous that they see that you're doing something that seems above and beyond, yeah. and not jealous in a malice way, just like naturally, just kind of curious jealous, yeah. or it's the it's the latter where they're um they're lacking something and they're seeing your trajectory move forward so well, and and they're projecting they're projecting mm -hmm. some type of frustration. And but that's the thing though, it's not a competition. You should put something 
put what you can into something and try to follow it through without comparing it to anything else, mm-hmm. you know? And you're, you're clearly the type of person based on your upbringing. It seems like your mom and dad were very smart, but also quite hardworking. Oh, yeah. And then that unique upbringing of London, Nigeria, a, a, a fight club. Like, I don't know many people in <laughs> high school had a legitimate one. They had them as jokes because of the movie Fight Club, right, but right, you had right. a no, real we, one. We had a real and you were trained black yeah, belt, like yeah, having yeah. an actual fight club. Well, yeah, you probably learned a lot from it. We did. We learned a lot. A lot. Yeah. You know, that's so, wow. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> Blows my mind. I love it. Yeah, man. We, so, man, you're in your early 30s at this point. We're going through your, your trajectory. Yeah. yeah. You have your, your your degrees, your kickboxing and boxing. What would you say are the pros and cons of boxing in a fight where you can do both, like a Muay Thai fight versus kickboxing, like like using your legs and your knees versus your elbows and, and hands and fists? Like, what are the pros and cons of you? Why would you want to use one or the other? Because mm. earlier you mentioned like by the s- certain round, second or third round, you knew you had the boxing advantage. So what? are the advantages of boxing and disadvantages and what are the advantages and disadvantages of using your legs? Well, I would say, you know, if you're talking about a pure form of fighting, Mm -hmm. um, as much as I love boxing and I love boxers and all that kind of stuff, look, man, uh, if you get into a fight, a proper fight, if a boxer gets into a proper fight with a kickboxer, they're going to lose. I mean, the fight will end with that one leg kick that I talked to. Legs are longer. Yeah. And they're a lot more powerful. Yeah, they are. And if you train them to fucking like kick bamboo trees, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> do you have a bamboo tree in your uh, apartment I, that you just kick every wake, morning? <laughs> I do not. I do not. But you know how some people wake up in the morning and maybe they're really groggy and they're about to use the loo, go to the toilet, and and they kind of knock their shin on the on the toilet on the porcelain uh-huh. of the toilet, and they're like, "Oh my god, that's really hard." I do it, and I'm like, "Whatever." I want more. That feels good. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's so like, you don't stub anything. Like, you don't stub toes. Anything that would someone would consider a stub, you're like, yeah. I mean, that feels good. I've broken my toe twice <laughs> yeah. on someone's head. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, the like, corner of the wall is nothing. You yeah. broke it on people's heads. I and mean, faces. <laughs> look, man, boxers are tough people, but man, kickboxers and Muay Thai guys, they're the top. It's a it's a battle of attrition. That's the, that's how I say it. Mm. When you're trained in kickboxing, it's attrition. It's just how much punishment can you take. And then how much can you give to the other person? Who's going to, who's going to, what tree is going to fall first? You know what I'm saying? Boxers don't know what it's like to be kicked in the leg. They don't. <laughs> and, yeah. they, and they put all their weight on their legs. Because of that. Because of that the form. stance. Like in the yes, form, right? Exactly. Right foundation. Exactly. So if you put a boxer and a kickboxer in a real fight, the kickboxer knows enough about boxing to avoid the things that the boxer is going to throw at them. The boxer does not know enough about kickboxing to avoid the things that they're going to do to them. So if we're talking about just fighting, kickboxing is a better way to go. Again, when I say kickboxing, remember that's a catch-all for Muay Thai and Dutch-style kickboxing or sport karate kickboxing. Muay Thai is the best. It is the best. It is the most complete actual sport that is an actual sport and not just a way to hurt people. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. If we're talking about Muay Thai, it is the most complete standing up, not not groundwork, right? Not Keep like talking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, you're good. Sorry. So it is the most complete um, stand up martial arts you could possibly get into. Um, you will be, I will, you're not gonna, a lot of kickboxing Muay Thai guys 
they will win almost every single fight that they're in because they're Muay Thai guys. Mm-hmm. If it's a real if it's a real fight and there's no jujitsu or wrestling, you guys are both standing up and you're fighting. And jujitsu is like grappling on the ground. Yes, ground jiu-jitsu fighting. Is ground fighting. Do you know a lot of? Have you? I don't know anything about jujitsu. I know nothing about jujitsu. Well, why not go down that world? Just I just you know you. it's like again. Remember we we're talking about. I like to do a thing and be good at it. Okay, you just not I mean? not throwing around time I, for it. I just stay in my lane. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? I I just stay in my lane. Uh, if a jujitsu guy who knows enough about boxing or whatever or wrestling, mm-hmm. if a jujitsu guy who knows how to wrestle manages to get me on the ground, it's a wrap. Yeah, you're in trouble. It's game over. It's like drowning. Yeah. When you when you grapple with a guy, a jujitsu guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like drowning. You different, don't know what to different do. Different art forms and yeah. different work forms. Yeah. Like, if, but if that same person was trying to kickbox you. Oh, yeah, you, but if that jujitsu guy was trying to kickbox me, oh, man. It's not good. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a specialist. Yeah, yeah. I'm a specialist with my hands and... Well, I was a specialist with my legs as well. Why well, was you don't these do, days? These don't days, do. I'm really, I'm really a boxer. So more you focus more else. on boxing than Muay Thai. Yeah. Is I there a reason for that? I just number one, I just enjoy it more. Okay. Number two, um, it's more accessible. I'm part of a gym that's very accessible with boxing. My kickboxing gym is not as accessible because of my um, my schedule. Mm. My work schedule is mad. Yeah, you know, know, like today you're like, I, I got to do stuff at yeah, three. I still got to like do Saturday. stuff. Like, I mean, I work every day. I appreciate you coming in for this. Oh, no, it's all right, man. It's all good. <laughs> it's fun. You know, yeah. a, bit, a bit of bands to come in and have a little bit of bands in here. It's yeah. all good. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, yeah. Uh, that makes sense. You, you had to cut the fat off something in yeah. order to keep going forward. Yeah. How, when's the last time you had a uh, Muay Thai fight? Last time I had a, I've, well, I've never had a mu. Oh no, I have. I had a Muay Thai fight. I had one Muay Thai fight. Okay. Um, I, my belt is in Muay Thai. What's wrong with it? <laughs> You're like, wait, what? My, my, it was like, yeah, my. I call it my kickboxing belt, but it's. I mean, okay. it was a Muay Thai belt. Uh, I'm a national champion. I'm a national ref gear champion. In in Muay Thai. Wait, wait. So when I asked you just now, when's the last fight? You didn't think. Wait, I am a yeah, national yeah. champion. Yeah, that was the last time I fought. Yeah. So the last time I fought was the uh, ref gear. The Rev Gear um, uh, National uh, Champion. So they have three different classes. They have a Class C, a Class B, and a Class A. The Class A professional fighters fight in that. I won the Class B. So you're like one yeah. notch below. I was supposed to prepare and fight in Class A in 2020. But obviously we know how 2020 Are you going to do it when we get back? If I can get in shape, if can I, I can come? get, I want to go to that. Yeah, dude. If I can, if I can, <laughs> if I can, if I can cut back down to two, two or five. I think the class that I would have fought in was two or five to two ten. Their their weight divisions are a little bit strange. To was two or five to two ten. If I can cut back down to that weight, if I can find a way to negotiate with my kickboxing coach, a way for me to to train that isn't between the hours of one p.m. and three p.m. in the middle of the afternoon, mm-hmm. because I. I mean, I have an office job. I have to go yeah, to work. Yeah. If I can find that, I will get ready for that fight. You can find it. Yeah. You might have to, he might have to refer a different coach just for yeah, that, yeah. that one I match, mean, you know. And we got guys at our gym who just are Just have me train you. Yeah, oh. there you go. Sorted. Kick problem, harder. Yeah, bamboo. Solved. I'll just like, lay out bamboo sticks. Like, yeah, it's like, just kick them. <laughs> jump, kick, do the I thing. Do I know the nothing thing. about fighting <laughs> at all. I would sit there just going like, ooh, I don't like that. Yeah. That's uh yeah that'd be a really cool thing. Yeah. What uh where where would that be? That's held? in Iowa. Iowa. It's in Iowa. Yeah. Why Iowa? I don't know. I didn't know anybody did anything in Iowa. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why it's in Iowa, but that's where it is. So uh, that's a national class A. So that's like yeah. Top we tier. even got guys coming from Canada to do it. Okay. And you have you have guys when you get to um class A, 
not class B, the class A, they're guys who go and they spend years training in Thailand and then they come back and they fight in that competition. Have you ever gone to Thailand? I haven't gone to Thailand. I wanted to. 2020. 2020. <laughs> I, was, I thought I was going to, yeah, yeah, I, I was going to, but. I can't imagine uh, doing a Muay Thai fight in Thailand. Imagine yeah, right. that. Yeah. From the source. It's crazy, man. Wow. It's crazy. I've, I've, so I've, I've, I've talked to, my coach has done it. I've talked to a lot of people who've done it. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a wild thing. Life my friend, Steve Sarah, throwback to Steve Sarah, yeah. who we're talking about, he went to Thailand. He, he quit his job. He quit his job at the time. He was like, Psh, man, I'm, I'm fucking going to Thailand. Because we always used to joke, me yeah. and Steve, when we were younger. And the, so you made reference to the Street Fighter movie, which was bad. Of course. There's a Street Fighter animated movie, which is good. Yeah, I've seen that one as well. <laughs> oh, you've seen that yeah. one. So you know the Ryu walking around with the bag? Yeah. Steve and I always used to joke that in our life, we just want to walk around the world barefoot with a fucking bag yeah. <laughs> full of money and clothes. <laughs> yeah, just learning the ways. Just learning the ways, just walking yeah. around. And and then when Steve, and then eventually, that's essentially what Steve did. Yeah. Not barefoot, not with one bag. Yeah. But he just packed up all his shit and he just went to Thailand. He didn't know how to speak Thai. Yeah. He just started training there and he started taking fights and he got good enough and he won enough fights that they made him a coach. They made him a crew. Wow. That could have been you. That could still be you. I, don't, I have no desire to do that. No. I like making money in law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no desire to do that. Isn't it funny how money can just, it changes so much yeah, about what you want, yeah. what you think you need. But I think, I mean, that's a good balance. You have a, a, a lucrative, important career. What, what's your law focus? So I did a lot of different things. But mostly it's uh, business litigation. I do business law. So, you know, and I've done different aspects of it. I've, I've worked in small firms. I've worked at J.P. Morgan. I, you know, but you not, not, for, you worked for the man. I worked for the, the man. man. I worked on contract. I wasn't like, I wasn't like an employee employee, but I worked for them, you know, and. Uh, what would that entail on contract with J.P. Morgan? On contract, I would probably still be with them if I was on. Oh, oh, you mean if I wasn't on contract? If I was like a full time employee on contract, just means. No, I meant like what you would do for them. For oh, Morgan, you ended up doing a lot of different things. When I started out, I started out as a legal documentation specialist, which is essentially if you are opening an account with J.P. Morgan, um, I am the one who would review all of the legal documentation that's needed for that account to open, and we would do a background check on you and. To make you mean sure like a checking that, account? Uh, not a checking account. So that's Chase. Ah. Uh, that's Chase. We're talking about commercial banking. I, you see where I don't know much about banking. Oh, no, no, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> my direct deposit goes into my account and I have a debit card. It's that's not, as much as I know. It's not that different. It's very similar. So, it's, I mean, whatever. It's just we, we, it, instead of a person, it's an entity. Oh, okay. Right? It's an entity. But then we need to know who we need to know who the individuals behind the entity are. Okay. You know what I mean? Because we, we don't want to get into sticky situations where yeah. we might be funding terrorism or anything like that. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So we need to do all that kind of stuff. You okay. Know? Um, so we check the legal documentation to make sure, and we need to make sure that you have the right products as well. So um, there, are certain, there are certain instruments that you m might want to, you know, you, that you may need for the kind of business you're trying to run. We need to make sure that you've got the right stuff. And yeah, essentially that's like the most basic work that we would do in that capacity. And then from there, it can go all the way to communicating with um, internal partners and explaining certain contracts to them. 
You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Okay. Um, or they may be contract remediation projects where a contract needs to be fixed in a certain way. Uh, when it's done being fixed, you know, you're on that team that helps do that, all that kind of stuff. So essentially all kinds of jobs that are not ongoing, you know, yeah. you know, they need a fix here, they need a fix there, they need a fix there, and just kind of move you around, move you around. And that's kind of what I did for JP Morgan. Um, and then after that, uh, so before that, actually, we might as well talk about this stuff since we're talking about career. Mm-hmm. Before that, so when I first got out of law school, I worked as a straight up um, business litigation attorney, um, as, a, as a lower level junior associate. I did that at a firm here in Chicago. And essentially, again, we represented banks in like um, secured lender uh, kind of um, disputes where like, for example, I don't know, uh, BZ Records. DZ Records. DZ, sorry. That's no, totally Probably cool. Me, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. D, D, DZ Records. Yeah. I said BZ because his name's Ben. <laughs> it's all DZ, good. DZ Records borrows, I don't know, 10 grand from JP Morgan to um, to set up a studio. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 grand isn't enough. So you go and you borrow um, some other money from Bank of America. When you borrowed the 10 grand, ten, the 10 grand from JP Morgan, they were like, okay, great. Uh, you can have this 10 grand, but we want to make sure that you pay it back. We're going to take a security interest in all of your equipment, right? So all the equipment that you have, the camera, the all mm-hmm. that stuff, we're going to take a security interest in it so that if for whatever reason you default on your payments, we're going to come and we're going to collect all them, all those all those things. Now I know why I didn't borrow 10 grand yeah, from JP Morgan. Don't borrow 10 grand from JP Morgan. <laughs> I've just slowly been building this up <laughs> not doing just slowly, that. It's probably the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just because things go wrong, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And then, but then you remember, you also borrowed 10 grand from um, Bank of America. And Bank of America also wants a security interest in something that you have. So they were like, uh, we want to have a security interest in all that same equipment that JP Morgan already has a security interest in. You default on your loans. JP Morgan's like, okay, I'm coming to collect all that equipment. Bank of America's like, hold on a second. We have a security interest in all this stuff as well. We're coming to collect this stuff. And then there's now a battle between JP Morgan and Bank of America as to whose security interest is senior to the other one. And if, well, JP Morgan was first in time. Let's not get into law. I don't want to bore everyone to death. But <laughs> if JP Morgan is first in time and he ha- they have a, a superior security interest, you know, how much do they get and how much does... Bank of America get as a subordinated interest in all that stuff. But anyway, mm-hmm. so I did that first. That's where you come in. That's, yeah. We, we are the guys who litigate You that. would have to fight their best exact, fighter. We would Physically, have to fight. you would fight. Yes. I, they <laughs> Winner would, takes They off. would send me. So let's say I was the firm that worked for J.P. Morgan. They would send their best guy from yeah. North from. Don't from you Bank wish that's how we did it? And we just duke it out, man. You guys just go to the bank lobby. Do bank lobby. You take your ties you off. You know, we, wrap, we take the take ties your, and you yeah, use the hand wraps. <laughs> Take off your glasses and winner gets the yeah, superior exactly. interest the in the superior interest in all the collateral. <laughs> no, instead you have to sit in a courtroom and yeah, hand out papers hand out and papers, everyone right. has to use ten dollar words yeah. and then Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's isn't that funny? We found we went from literally fighting in the jungle in the savannas mm-hmm. to just fighting but in a room in court, with, with, with fluorescent right. light bulbs. Yeah, man. And uh Fancy ties yeah. with documentation. It's the same thing. Everything is adversarial, man. It's the same thing. It's all, it's all the same thing. One is a little bit more, I might, I'd rather get punched in the face than someone take 
thousands of dollars from oh, me because yeah, I made 100%, a mistake. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah, man. I like, Just punch you in the face. Let's get this that, over with. <laughs> I take that instead, man. Oh, man. That's, but, a, that's a really interesting dynamic. Like, yeah. doing that for a career, yeah. playing the music, having that artist brain that you, you inherently had when you went to college, you know, in Grand Rapids, and then also being this fighter. Yeah, what man. A, I never thought that I was that guy. pulled in all these different directions. I never thought that I was that guy who would care about priority interests or <laughs> how to help people form corporations or anything like that. I didn't know what corporations were yeah. when I was into music growing up. I didn't know. My dad was a commercial uh, lawyer. I didn't know what my dad did yeah. when I was growing up. I didn't get it. I was like, he's a lawyer. He doesn't go to court. Like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's going on? Like, I didn't get it. Um, but then when I went to law school, and when I got to law school, I didn't go to law school because I wanted to go to law school. I only went to law school because my dad said I had to go to law school. What's that like? I mean, it's... If you could be honest about it, if you don't mind me asking, because I, I know friends, not to cut you off, I know yeah. people who have been in that situation. I, I was very loosely about it. My parents were more like, um, they wanted me to do certain things, but they weren't very pushy. They just kind of were guiding like, Go to college and like find something like to do, but make sure it's like lucrative mm -hmm. and like more feasible, mm -hmm. not something in the arts. And I was like, I'm gonna do the arts, mm -hmm. and I did the arts. And I'm glad I did, but it's probably because I put so much into it that it, it ended up working out better than it could for some people. Mm -hmm. And I'm fortunate for that. I also had the right situation where I had a house to stay in while I was going to college. You know, all, all these things accumulate. No one's really, you're not really that great at something. You usually have a lot of things in your favor mm -hmm. to accomplish things. Mm -hmm. And like in your case, you had parents who had, were educated and had a, a good background. So like they were a good foundation for, mm -hmm. for you, even though you might've been from a developing country, yeah, yeah. you still had that foundation. Yeah. But I, at the end of it, I didn't have parents who were like, you can't do that. And if you do this, 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 and that. Yeah. And uh, I did what I wanted anyways. And I went to art school That's for a blessing. undergrad and graduate school. And it's, it's, uh, a, it's a real blessing. I winged it. Yeah. I definitely had to do it on my own, you know, with the loans and stuff, but like, I still was able to pull it off and, um, they didn't stop me. They, they were a little sketchy about it, a little worried. But I was like, I'm doing. I I I can't not do what I want to do with my life. Right. Like I don't know any other way, you know. So, you wanted to. What would, you want to do? Art and and fighting, right? Something like that. Well, not One, even. Not the the fighting, fighting was just like a thing. Secondary that I did. stuff. Yeah, a it, hobby. Yeah, but I would have loved if I could have done concept art for like Sony right. Santa, Santa Monica Studios, who makes the video games. I would have loved to. If I could have done stuff for, I don't know, Naughty Dog Games or anything like that. Like all these different mm -hmm. video game companies and things like that. That would have been fantastic. I did the art for them, the concept art for them. Or I did the concept art in movies, at movie studios. That would have been great. That's what I wanted. I wanted to draw comic books too. Comic books, graphic novels. Like, yeah. like grown-up comic books, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Or, uh, uh, and uh, that's what I would have loved. Maybe even draw children's books as well. But, you know, um, my dad said... You you can do that as a hobby. Yeah, it's like you need to you need to go and you need to do the thing. So when I went to bro, when I I didn't know nothing. I just do. But as Nigerians, Nigerians, we we do what our parents tell us to do. All right. You know what I mean? We're very we we we're very indebted to them. Yeah. Because they sacrificed a lot of things just for us to be where we are. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even if you forget that that's a thing that you're supposed to do, our culture just is like you just don't say no to your parents. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of where my mind which, was. Which sucks because not parents are humans. Yeah, not all humans parents are, are right. Humans. Not all humans are right. Remember, it's only <laughs> when you get older, yeah, as a Nigerian, that you realize that. Yeah, 
You don't realize that your parents are humans until maybe you're like maybe 25. About aliens until you're 25. You, yes, and then they're, they're, they're aliens humans. that know everything. Yeah. These aliens are quite smart. They are. <laughs> they are. Well, I mean, they got me to a certain point. Yeah. You know, but they're still people. They and are people still make people. mistakes yeah. and they have their biases yeah. and they have their mis misconceptions 100%. about existence and yeah. it happens. And but and also in my mind I was like I consider it a way of paying off this all this money that you've spent on me as a human being to make sure I didn't die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the way through till even for an undergraduate degree that you that isn't the thing that you wanted, right? Um now it's time to pay the piper, go do the law degree, you know. So I studied for an exam that I didn't want to take. I got into a law school. I didn't want to go to law school. And the first year of law school was awful. It was terrible because I didn't want to be there. And I didn't know what law was about. I didn't get it. But in my second year of law school, when I took contracts, everything in a very shocking epiphany just made sense. Huh. And I don't know how this happened, but I was like, I really like, I really fucking like contracts, <laughs> you know? And <laughs> Never heard someone say it before. I was like, I really, really get excited about contracts. I saw getting, and then what was even worse than getting excited about contracts? There's a class called Secure Transactions. Any of you lawyers out there who know, or even if you're not a lawyer, just fucking Google Secure Transactions. Secure Transactions is essentially what we were talking about with the whole security interest and stuff. I did Secure Transactions, I was like, oh my God. I really like secure transactions. Even lawyers don't like secure <laughs> transactions. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it is yeah. a weird, weird thing. You and know what it probably is? Maybe it's the that creative brain you have. You hit, you found interesting ways to look at something yeah, a maybe, different perspective. Maybe. Something that might seem mundane. Yeah. It isn't to you. Yeah, maybe that's I mean, what that's it what is. That's what art is. It's, it's things that can be portrayed as mundane, but when you have that spark in your head, you can turn it into something that yeah. kind of goes in between it, you know, in between the lines. I think I think that's what it is. And, and what else could it be? And to that point, another part of being a lawyer, if you're a litigation attorney, is you writing the things to argue, writing the complaints to present the complaints to print to present your case, and writing motions. Okay. Motions are essentially the, the things that you used to argue after you're past the point where it's like, okay, this is the thing that I'm complaining about. You know, a motion to dismiss, to dismiss somebody's claim. Like you, you came to my establishment, DZ pizzas, right? <laughs> and, and you slipped on ice, yeah. right? And you're like, motherfucker, I slipped on ice in your establishment. You owe me 50 grand. Yeah. And you write a complaint saying, I slipped on ice at Adirin's DZ Pizza establishment and he was negligent in keeping this place this place um, frozen. He didn't clean it up. And that's why I slipped. And that's why I had to go to the hospital. And that's why I'm suffering from emotional distress because I fell and I slipped. Mm -hmm. He owes me a hundred grand. Mm -hmm. That's your complaint. Okay. And then I'm like, there's a whole bunch of different reasons why this is bullshit. I'm going to write a motion to dismiss this yeah. complaint. Okay. The art, there is an art to writing motions. Yeah. Okay. There is a, it's strict and like very, very um, proper, but there's a lot of little room here and there for artful, the way you put words together, just the way you write a sentence. I'm a guy that I, I will re, I will just be like, no, this is the wrong word. No, a full stop goes here. A period goes here. No, this comma is in the wrong place. Mm. No, this citation should go here. It's like, 
it's like drawing. Yeah. Writing emotion is, is a lot like that. It's an art form. It's an art form. Strategic. It's strategic. Where are you going to put this part of the argument? How are you going to end? How are you going to conclude it? How are you going to make it so that when the judge reads this, it flows like a storybook? Yeah. It doesn't feel like work yeah. when you're reading. It feels like, oh, I see this person's point. I'm going to grant you a motion. That's, it's the same thing. And I realized that at the same time, I realized that I liked contracts and secure transactions. I realized I liked writing in that way. And so it became like the drawing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or even like referring it back to the fighting. Yes. Being strategic, understanding the best ways to accomplish the goal. Exactly. Least path of least resistance. Yes. But the most amount of things completed. Yes. Same thing with music. And when you're playing drums... In a split second, you could decide a certain beat to do, a certain fill, mm. a certain place to go to, a certain transition. Do you do uh, a triplet here? Do you just keep mm. it on the downbeat, the kick? Like all these things are in the moment, and there, there's a lot of nuance there, and you can make decisions on on how to kind of accomplish a goal. Many paths you can take in one split second, mm. and that happens apparently with fighting, and it happens apparently with writing out motions or contracts, the mm. right words, because you know in the court of law. You have to find a way to appease and please, you know, a judge yeah. or someone else that you're you're arguing against. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, wording things, being creative with your words, and with the way you even express them. Oh, yeah, both of those things are are an art form. So maybe 100%. that's where your art came out, your creativity. I think so. It makes sense. Yeah, even the arguments themselves. Yeah. So, like, I mean, there may be an issue that you're trying to argue, and you go on the database to find some law that supports your issue. And the law is not exactly 100% on your side. Mm-hmm. You're like, it's not 100% on my side, but how can I finesse this law to be 100% on my side? <laughs> of course. <laughs> how can I present this in a way that it's with me? Yeah. And that is an art form in itself. But so you know? I, the only issue I find with law sometimes is, is that it can have such gray areas that can yeah. be misinterpreted. Yeah. You know, and that's where I get like a little wor- wor- worrisome. The misinterpreting of laws in gray areas is part of the arts. <laughs> <laughs> misinterpreting it to be what it is you want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's part of the art. Now, sometimes that power can be used for good, and sometimes that power can be used for bad. You need to make sure you're on the right side of that. How do you know that? How do you know? That's a great. How do you ever know when you're on the right side know? of something? You know, how do you ever really know? How do we know anything? You just got to do the thing, get the paycheck, and what? <laughs> uh, I just got to get that Chick-fil-A sandwich and call a day. I told you, the Chick-fil-A, I was like, hey, they've done some things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't been to Chick-fil-A in a long time. <laughs> I mean, that that that's like a law thing, like what they did, you know, about saying they wouldn't service. Is that what it was? Tell I think. Me, is I, that what it was? I think... I don't. I don't. I don't want to be the person. Yeah. Who says let's the wrong let's thing not. Now. Let's not. You know. Get a libel suit. <laughs> from <laughs> what? Oh, I'm. I'm as a lawyer. I think if I say I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. That's I the don't way to know. Go. And and this is what, I've heard, I've, heard what I've heard on the internet. Yes. And I'm not saying this is true or yeah, false. Yeah. I'm not saying this is true or Thank false. Thank you. I'm, my lawyer's present. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my attorney's here. Um, I believe they said they wouldn't service homosexuals. Hmm. 
or or not that they wouldn't service, but they don't support it. They don't support it. Maybe I, they don't support. I thought it was. I didn't think it was that they wouldn't service. Yeah, that's them. extreme. Because if think they had that. said that they wouldn't service them, they would have been slapped with a huge lawsuit. Yes, and they would not have won. I don't think it was that. Um, I think it was. I think they they, they, they they didn't support it, and they gave money to organizations ah. that were openly antagonistic. Got it. Towards so you the know LGBTQ community. I, I, th- right. I thought that I would. I, would, I, I think that's I what it was. I think that's I never what really it was. ate there. Yeah. And yeah, I don't. Yeah. So I just didn't really pay attention yeah. to it, but I think that's what happened. Yeah, something I, like that. I, I think that's what it was. And that's why it's like, yeah, we serve everybody, which is the law. You can't decide that you're not going to. Can't discriminate. Yeah. You can't decide you're not going to serve to um, uh, gay people. That's, you can't do that. Um, but. Technically speaking, your money can go wherever it is your money wants to go, mm-hmm. right? And if you've decided that you want to give your money to crazy, I'm whatever. It's <laughs> you, crazy. It's crazy. I'll say it. I can go. Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you want to give your money to crazy people? Okay, cool. You know, you can give your money to crazy people, but be prepared to uh, live with the consequences of the way the market is going to respond. Yeah. The market responds in a way that your share prices drop because- Guess what? People don't like it when you give money to hate groups. You know, live with that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and Chick-fil-A, apparently, it was like, cool, we're going to live with that. And that's fine. Well, yeah. When you, you know? do that, you might diminish or hurt one group, but then you empower and bring up another. Yeah. So they, yeah. you lost something, you gained something. Yeah, yeah exactly. They, you're fine with it. Yeah. It's a, Chick-fil-A yeah. seems fine with the fact that I know, I can tell you as a fact, this is a fact. Nobody's probably going to really argue this point. Their stock price would probably be a lot higher. I don't even know if Chick-fil-A is like a publicly traded company. I'm not sure. Um, but if they were, um, their stock price would probably be a lot higher if they didn't give money to hate groups. Probably. <laughs> probably. Because yeah. more people would like them. Yes. And they would be more willing to invest in their company. Yeah. Right? But they made the choice to do that. And their stock price is not as high. And they seem to be happy with finance. <laughs> so, you know, well, okay. It's a free country, I guess. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> one of the beauties of the country yeah. is that freedom, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. You know, you, you can decide to go to different schools. You can mm-hmm. decide to go to gyms mm-hmm. and fight. You can decide to sign up to legally hurt people. <laughs> and they can legally hurt you and no one's going to go to jail. No one's going to go to jail. Isn't that interesting? Oh, you're like, I wish there was more oh, coffee. More, I, I thought that was just a little bit. I think there's a little drip. <laughs> so good. He needs more. It's, it's um, good stuff, man. Yeah, that's an interesting one. The new you knowing law, knowing that uh, you can just sign up to hurt each other and no one gets in trouble. Yeah, what a strange concept. Because if sign, if we went if we went outside right now and you hurt me, like yeah, I could yeah, sue you, you could sue me, and you can go phys- like physically get arrested. Yes, but for some reason you go into a you ring. Say, yeah, you put some material on your yeah. body, get take off san- your shirt, get a sanctioning body to come through and. It's all you good. Know, and you're good. You know. Wow, it's such a weird concept. It is a weird thing, and there's even more nuances to that stuff. Than, than that, like, uh, if you call it a fight, there needs to be a sanctioning body there. If you call it an exhibition, there doesn't. Kind of like what Mike Tyson did. Mm, that well was an exhibition, right? That, well, for that one, that was like public and that was Mike Tyson. So there needed to be a, a sanctioning body. Was well, there. what happened if you fought Mike Tyson? Oh, my God. He'd kill me. <laughs> he'd probably kill me. He'd probably kill me, man. That he, guy, he's that guy, That guy is look, man. By the time... <laughs> That guy, no, that guy is. You know, I don't care how old that guy is. I'm fighting. He's on. He's on a level like yeah. no one's ever been. Yeah, 
I'm not fighting Mike Tyson. Scary. No fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, you'd have to give me some big money to fight Mike Tyson. $10 million. Yes, I'll fight Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't fighting him. No way. I $10 will kill do- Mike Tyson <laughs> if you give me $10 million. Okay, how about this? What would happen, though, if you went up against him, but you got to do Muay Thai as well as boxing? A full four. It would it. still be a very, very hard fight. Because he's Mike Tyson. <laughs> it would be a very, very... Mike Tyson could be 70 years old. I could do Muay Thai. Yeah. He only doing boxing. Yeah. 10 million grand is on the line. Yeah. It would still be a hard <laughs> fight. Have you seen Mike Tyson? <laughs> <laughs> that man's scary. Oh, my God. I, one, one of the things I love to do every now and then is I watch his old interviews, post-fight interviews. Oh, yeah. From when he was younger. He's got some wild ones. It's wild stuff, man. Oh, I yeah. broke my back. My back. Is spinal. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, what? I'm just like, oh my god, he's so scary. <laughs> he's so scary. Yeah. When he's talking about Lennox Lewis, he's like, yeah, yeah, Lennox, I'm coming for you, Lennox. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, yeah, that man is. What are, what are your thoughts on the the ethics of fighting? Like, do you feel? Because that's a big problem people have. Like, well, it's like barbaric. Like, uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on the ethical part of it? I mean. Like, like a lot of people come from broken or m- more low-income places, and they get into boxing as a way to maybe escape or just have some type of balance, some, yeah. type, of, some type of discipline, camaraderie, yeah. friendship. The coach might act as a father figure, yeah. all these things. And that is all good. But when it starts to be like you have to, in order to keep that, and to keep that money, you have to like hurt yourself. Yes. You have to risk CTE. Yeah. You have to risk physically damaging your body. And yes. it's only because of the position you are in life that yeah. you had to get into that because you're low income. You don't have any other options. Yeah. How do you, like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I, I believe that, you know, everybody has a choice in this life. Um, and we, at the same time, while everybody has a choice in this life, circumstances have forced people into certain positions. And, they had to make that. They had to, they, 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 nobody put a gun to their head. Hmm. And uh, especially in boxing, not so much in American football, because in American football, we only really, only within the past maybe what, 10, 15 years, are we really starting to understand the ramifications of running your head into somebody CTE, else? Yeah. CTE. But in boxing, we always knew nobody, it's not a secret that if you get punched in the head <laughs> a lot and you get punched in the body a lot, you may live with something for the rest of your life. Muhammad Ali got Parkinson's a long time ago. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, we knew, we know when you sign up to box, I'm not even talking about when you actually get into the ring to fight under the bright lights on MGM Grand. Every time you get in the ring to spar, you are risking your life. Every time I go to the boxing gym to spar with these guys who are 250 pounds, 280 pounds, even guys who are 175. In the back of your mind, you know you are putting your life at risk. I may have headgear on. We may have 16-ounce gloves. Anything can happen when two people, two pugilists, are going at each other with the intention to hurt, even in a controlled environment. Anything can happen. You cannot blame the sport of boxing for what happens when it happens. Because the sport of boxing has given you something in return. You got to be careful and you got to take care of yourself when you are in there. Number one rule, when you start fighting, you see a real fight, 
protect yourself at all times. <laughs> that is the main thing. And it, the mindset is important. When I, people would say to me that I'm kind of a defensive fighter, okay? And I feel like I'm a defensive fighter because when I started, I started in martial arts. And the point of martial arts is not to go around hurting people, it's to defend yourself and to defend others. So when I box, also because I've been, I've had experiences where somebody kicked me across uh, an auditorium or somebody threw a knee into my stomach, I don't want to get hurt. So I'm always calculating and I'm reading you. You get what I'm trying to I'm say? Just, I, can't, I still can't believe you got kicked in the chest and thrown across. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm always calculating and I'm reading you. And I'm, the majority of the first part of the fight, of the sparring session, whatever it is, I'm blocking and I'm following that rule. Protect yourself at all times. How can I be defensive and protect myself against this guy's body shot, against his jab, against his right hand? How can I do that if it's Muay Thai? How can I time his kicks so that I can check them at the right time? I'm doing that because I also know nobody's paying me to do this. My number one priority when I get out of the ring is to make sure that I come out the same way I was when I got in there. And I don't mind losing rounds by somebody who's wailing on me if I am in one piece when I walk out. Protecting yourself. Protecting myself. That's the main thing. But once I find out how to protect myself and I see the holes in your game, I'm another, another thing, a good defense, a good offense is a pretty good defense. Mm -hmm. There's some guys that the only way to keep them off of you is to, you got you to gotta show them mm -hmm. what it is. Where does that know? come from that? Because you're a defensive person. You're obviously a very kind person. Where does that aggression, or is it aggression? What yeah, it is aggression. Rage? Where does it come it's, from it's to aggression. want to hit somebody? It's not aggression. It's like, it's, I just like teaching life lessons. <laughs> that's the way that's you the way. It. That's the way I this always... This punch to your temple yeah. is a life lesson. It's just lesson. a life lesson. <laughs> that's just the way it is. And I think a lot of the guys in the, my boxing gym were like that. You know what I mean? You know, when, when we, all of us together as friends in our sparring group, our fight team, if you will, at the boxing gym and even at the kickboxing gym, we're all, it's all bants. We're all, it's all, you know, cheeky banter. We're all talking. It's not, nothing, nothing. Wow, Han, so much English just came out of it. It's all cheeky banter, no talking. You know, it's like, uh, we're, you know, we're just razzing each other. We're not, we're not that was gonna... great. It, it's been coming out in tinges, but that was the most English you've sounded today. All <laughs> right. Yeah, I love it. You know, because you were talking about the, the car, you know, when you said born in England and Nigerian. And then once in a while, you just hear it. Yeah, it's yeah. subtle. Well, yeah. No, I'm, I'm Every just, now and then. There's some things that have to yeah. be said a certain way. Yeah, How exactly. About I think that's what Let's it was. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Some things have to be said exactly. a certain way. I liked it, though. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, back to what you were saying. So, but like, we're all like, it's all playful, you know, um, up until we get in there and we have to start throwing leather, right? But even when we're doing that, we're, both we're taking care of each other, right? But then when some fellow comes in who thinks he's king shit, and it's like, oh, I'm this strong and I want to fight people and everything. We're just like, nice. <laughs> you're like, thank you. We're like, nice. That's the life lesson you're talking yes. about. Yes. And we're just excited to humbling teach Humbling people. Yes. It's about humbling people. It's about putting people in their place. Letting them know that, look, man, on any day, somebody else can beat you. You're, you're not better than anybody in this world. Mm -hmm. You have to be respectful. You have to be humble. You have to respect everybody. When you're walking on the street, you don't know who it is that has... A black belt and whatever. You don't know who it is that is an ex-Marine. 
You don't know who it is that was a Navy SEAL. Just respect yourself and respect other people. Stop walking around like you are something. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when guys like that come into the boxing gym, especially guys that are ripped, we love that. Guys that are ripped. The really, more ripped, really the better. The more ripped, the better. Because the guys who carry a lot of muscle, they fatigue quickly. And they often don't know how to fight. Okay? Bodybuilding guys who would often, most of the time, I'm not saying all the time, but a lot of times, they don't know how to fight, number one. Number two, they fatigue quickly because the lactic acid and all that big muscle, they seize up and they get tired. Mm. Us, we're ready. We can, we can. We'll let them throw their punches in the first 30 seconds of the round. And they're already tired. And then we're like, okay, cool. Now I'm going to start hitting you. And you're going to get hit by a guy who actually hits people on a regular basis. Let's see how you feel about that. And we beat the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> we beat the shit out of them. We beat them, beat them, uh, beat them. You're really not, get, you're <laughs> not convincing me to come to your gym. Again, like I said, <laughs> there's fitness and there's yeah. fighting. See, I, I feel like I'd be a bad fighter because the humbling thing, I'm so self-aware of it that I don't. Like, no, no. It depends on the crew that you're with, man. Okay. Like, if you're with a crew that's, like, already humble and already cool and they work with you and they get you where you're going to be, you'll be fine. But if you go to some gym where everybody's got egos and everybody's trying to prove something, it's not going to be good for yeah. a humble person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or a, a person who isn't willing to lose all the time. Yeah. Because I'm somebody, I could go to a gym where everybody is like that, an adversarial, and I'd just be quiet and I'd lose and lose and lose and lose and lose and lose and lose because I know that I'm waiting for the day that I'm going to teach all those people a lesson in humility. I would just keep losing. I'd lose for a year. I'd lose for two years. And then when it was time, I'd get back in with those people who had been beating me up and I would fuck them up <laughs> in a very serious way. And then I would like... You play the slow game, huh? Slow game. And I'll spit on them when I'm done. I'll be like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> and I would not be nice because me being malicious like that at the end is part of the life lesson. Mm. <laughs> it's part of the life yeah. lesson. If you're going to be like that, guess what? Life will going to do something to you. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, karma may not exist. But I will create it for you. <laughs> That's a good bumper sticker. You know what I'm saying? It may not exist, but I will create it yeah. for you so that you can learn and you can be better and make the world a better place mm. by not being a prick. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. That's kind of how it is, you know. That's uh, one of the biggest things I, I get annoyed with when I look at MMA, MMA fighting yeah. or boxing. Um, the top dogs, the ones that are very arrogant, mm. and they're not doing it from that. Humbled. <laughs> What's up? Conor McGregor. Yeah, Conor McGregor. There's a lot of people who you're just like, what I, is it? Maybe it's for for the show. Yeah. The show, the showmanship, yeah. and they know they got the money, and yeah. they have nothing to lose because they have the money and the fame and the notoriety. I don't know what it is, but in any sport, when I see it in the NBA and the football, I I go like, okay, this is this is my perspective. Mm. So I there's nothing against anyone who plays sports or who is a professional at it, but I go okay, you're ready getting overly paid mm-hmm. to do this sport, yeah. a sport that most people see as an activity or a hobby they do growing up as kids that they sign up for at the local park district, yeah. but now you're making 10, 50, $100 million doing it. Mm-hmm. So maybe you should like take it down a couple notches <laughs> and stop pretending like you actually matter yeah, yeah. because yeah. you don't. Because you don't. Because you're just an extracurricular activity we yes. watch on a Saturday night. Yes. Exactly. While we're bored, while we finished our work. Yes, for while we finished our while work. We actually did work that keeps this economy yes. going. Yes. That's just me. Exactly. I feel <laughs> the same way. Okay. And I, I mean, there's certain room for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's certain room for bravado that I enjoy, mm-hmm. you know. But at a certain point, these athletes, whether they be combat athletes or whether they be, you know, 
regular sports athletes, if you don't realize that you've been put in a position to do something good, you know what I mean? Like, what do we, you know, I don't care what, what you're doing. You, you are just a guy who runs across a field. You are just a guy who jumps really high. And because we can advertise while you jump high and you kick a, a, a thing and we can put little logos on your jersey and sell them later on, that's why you have all this money. You need to realize that that's the fact. But if you are somebody who does something, you've been put in that position and you do a thing outside of that, like the Bron James, you give to communities, mm -hmm. like the late, great Muhammad Ali, who did things after he got his money. The guys who do it now, there are lots of guys who donate. To you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All these things. If you are arrogant in your ability to do that sport, I don't care. I got it. I see what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because you aren't just a guy who jumps. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You aren't just a guy who kicks or, mm -hmm. or whatever. You are doing a thing outside of what it is that is good for our our world. Yeah. You you know, you're not just a means for people to advertise mobile phones or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're yeah. doing another thing. But if you don't do any of that, you keep all of your money to yourself and you go and you're bravado and you're being braggadocious about your skill that isn't really a life skill then yeah i'm on the same page as you have life fuck this guy yeah get the fuck out of here what, what are you talking about yeah you know what i mean so that's kind of the way that i see it mm -hmm. um i always i always try to remember that some of these guys if you're talking about your boxing or whatever and you're like yeah i'm gonna beat this guy up i'm gonna do this and that and you're being braggadocious about your skill set you know what i mean that's fine i don't mind you know, that's all good. You're confident in your ability and all that kind of stuff. But what else are you doing outside of that? You know what I mean? You're entitled to do that. But don't think because you can punch this guy really well or you can shoot this three-pointer really well. That is the reason you are better than me. You're not better than me because you can shoot a three-pointer. You just That just happens to be our form of entertainment and we advertise around it. Yeah. That's why you have that money. Mm -hmm. You don't have that money because you're harder working than me. Mm -hmm. You don't have that money because you're smarter than me. Mm -hmm. you, that's just your thing that you do. And it turns out that in order to sell McDonald's, we need you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, the same thing goes towards, because um, I don't feel this way just about athletes, to be yeah. clear. I feel this way about musicians. About musicians, yeah. About uh, artists, about uh, actors. Well, musicians is even worse for me. Oh, don't even because that, that's close <laughs> to home for me because yeah. that's like that's what I my life's about and yeah you know, when it when it comes to the the musicians that make this much money or that much money I can't I can't do it when they're make when they're worth two hundred million I'm like mm -hmm. what about all the amazing musicians, musicians on the bottom yeah this this pyramid and they're just the Kanye West the Beyonce the Taylor Swifts they're yeah. just getting hundreds just and hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars and no I'm not impressed yeah. when they do other business ventures because yeah. they have the money true. to sit on to, to sit on try to out it, stuff to, and make mistakes and make mistakes you know what it's not that hard to make more business when you have a hundred million dollars yeah man it's just like, not <laughs> let me Kanye man let me even I'm gonna start a war with Kanye right now on this thing man like there's certain things I remember I, I won't get into it too much but I remember that album that came out Yeezus when Yeezus came out and everybody was like, oh my God, this album is like, it's so cutting edge, it's so great, he's doing such avant-garde shit, you know, the shit he's doing is so cutting, you know. And I'm like, oh. I listened to the sound of the record and I was like, there's this band called, what are they called again? Um, 
I forget the uh, the name of the band. I'm 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 blanking now. They do. They're an industrial hip hop band. Um, the out there. There's a there's a they sang a song called Guillotine. Do you know it? Mm-mm. Ah, come on. I'm gonna use my <clears> phone. <throat> yeah, because I need to. Yeah. I need to know. I don't know why I'm blanking on the band. Yeah, use your phone. We, use that tool. Yeah, we talk about because yeah. we talk about it all the time. Guillotine, and then I'm gonna say, um, song. Uh, Death Grips. Death Grips. Yeah, I know Death Grips. Death Grips. Yeah. Death Grips and other bands like them already were pioneering the sound that was in Jesus. Okay. Um, Essentially, Kanye West was not doing anything that people were not already doing. It just was Kanye West that was doing it. And because people in general don't open their minds to listen, to explore. They're not curious about music that is not being played on the radio. When they hear it, because they're not curious about listening to things that are not on the radio, they think, I've never heard anything like this before. This is avant-garde. I'm going to give this five out of five mics on the source Mm -hmm. (laughs) or whatever. It's not. Mm -hmm. Death Grips was doing it before he was doing it. And other people, other contemporary people would get Death Grips were doing, they had that same industrial sound before Kanye West released Jesus. So if you're going to praise Jesus the way that you are, you better give credit to bands like Death Grips as well. And Death Grips also, the thing about Death Grips is it wasn't just the sound. Death Death Grips understood there was a meaning behind it, right? With Death Grips, they were able to do a thing that was punk rock, Death Grips is not a punk rock band. Mm-hmm. They rap, and there's uh, an industrial sound behind it. But the ethos is punk, in that they they do their own shit. It's it's punk and it's and it's avant garde. Mm-hmm. In that, like they'll have a show and they just won't show up. They just won't play, <laughs> or they'll have a show and they'll play one song and they'll go away because they don't give a fuck, right? They don't care. Um, they will. Put the the sounds the set they will put the songs together in strange ways that are unorthodox, right? That 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 aren't really, you know, that are jarring, that almost force you to question whether you like this. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> whether you yeah. like this music, that you know, it, it's very very punk in mm. that regard. Kanye West was not being punk with any of the things that he did with those sounds. <laughs> yeah, Kanye West had all the money in the world. Yeah, like it wasn't da- it wasn't dangerous for Kanye West to make that record. It was dangerous for Death Grips to even be making that music mm-hmm. in general. The risk there was risk. Where are you gonna go with this music? Where are you gonna go with making music that? We- I'm not even sure I like Death Grips half yeah. the time. <laughs> I'm not sure I like it. I like Death Grips, but I'm not sure I like them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, risk yields yeah. The, the greatest art. You know? It but does. Kanye, somebody it, had done it before him. We're using saying. him as, as, as an, an example, example but I'm there's not, many examples. Many like that, many. People have a lot of recognition and money, mm-hmm. anything they do, it's it's always gold. It can't You, yeah. can't, un, you can't undo it, you can't say something exactly. bad. And people make good records that are famous and have money, but 
it's there's too much money in those things. There's not enough room for the risk, mm-hmm. for the the air. They'll get a lot more praise when they've extrapolated a lot from other artists, past contemporary artists, past um, historical artists, and again because people's narrow knowledge of music and or music history mm. it just falls on whatever spotify has or what the radio has exactly. there's much more out there to to find and gain information from mm-hmm. happens all the time happens with movies someone watches yep. a movie like this movie's great it's like that yeah, looks like, like that reminds me of sunset boulevard what do you yeah. mean have you not seen that yeah. you're not seen this movie have you not seen the apartment citizen can like no these have already happened exactly you got to know your history and it's the same thing with humans why we make this mistake with certain governments certain yep. racist thoughts yep. xenophobic thoughts like look at history yes Look what happens when you yes. do conspe- compelled speech and you take away freedom of speech. Yes. A lot of dark things happen. You got to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. Happens with music. Happens with art. And it happens with even what we were talking about uh, originally the, the the fighting mentality of being mm. kind of arrogant or conceited or pompous. Yeah. It's like you should know where you came from. There was yeah. a time you might have been six years old in Nigeria, you know, learning how to fight. You know, know where your roots were. Yeah. Why you initially started to do mm-hmm. this task. Like where it came from, not because now you're part of uh, UFC and you get five million dollars to fight someone in an octagon, mm-hmm. and millions of people watch. You know, it gets. That's where I think it gets a little. You lose a lot of people when it gets to that. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's not about the art form, the humbling. You know, humbling that person. You know that is being too cocky or arrogant, mm-hmm. and you you just want them to know that like you need as a person mm-hmm. to be humble. Not that you won or lost. Yeah. But like we are people. Yeah. Not one person is greater or lesser than the next, mm-hmm. no matter who you are, from your, your skin color, your education, your your culture, your mm-hmm. ethnicity, what language you speak. We're just people. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, man. I mean, that's what I think what you do is so great because the music... You do it for you do it for the music. It's metal, but you listen to all this oh, yeah, type of stuff. Oh, yeah, I listen to all kinds of stuff. You know, you're yeah. mentioning bands... That most people who would associate with metal would not associate with Radiohead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what was the what were you listening to earlier? Or something you a band you mentioned earlier? Sonic oh, Youth. Sonic Youth. Sonic Youth. Oh, by the way, all the guys in the band we listen to all kinds of music. That's Me, awesome. Justin and I we love Sonic Youth. Good. That's cool, man. Like it like may that. be one of our favorite. Ba- so Justin, I'm gonna speak for him a little bit. Yeah. Whatever. Justin and I, there's like two camps I think in the band. Mm-hmm. Justin grew up that grunge era. Like, he was really into that grunge era. And as a result, a lot of the bands that inspired the grunge era. So if, you, if you're if you really into Nirvana, um, it's hard for you not to be into Sonic Youth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they kind of... But they're a band that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah, because yeah. Because they never made it, they like, never mainstream. They never made that. Yeah, yeah. They like, Goo, made... the cover, the yeah. album cover we, we, um, yeah. that we're referring to for those who are listening. Uh, their 1990 record, Goo, yeah. this year came out. Uh, friends of mine... 15 years ago, made a scale model of it to like four feet by four feet. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. I made out of Sharpie and uh, I've always had it, but I have it displayed now. And uh, we were talking about it earlier, but like that was the most mainstream record and they still never broke, like yeah. never minded and yeah. in utero did for Nirvana, yeah. you know? Yeah. So they were kind of always the avant garde mm-hmm. uh, sound art, little bit, little tinges of indie rock, little tinges of new wave, little tinges of grunge, but they never. They did so much experimenting yeah. with objects and and putting, you know, when I first saw them play and the last time they ever played was uh, in June 2009 at the Vic Theater in Chicago and I went mm. and Thurston Moore, the guitar player, came yeah. out and I was watching it and the spotlight's on him and he just takes out a drumstick, 
shoves it between the strings yeah, and the bridge and just, just holds the neck and he just goes yeah. up to the nut of the guitar and just back and forth. He's just yeah. making sounds like yeah. this. Yeah, I've seen you know, 19-year-old me, I'm just like, I want to do that. <laughs> I want to use this instrument for something else other than what it's meant to be for, yeah. be used for because there are no rules in creativity. Yes, there's it's true. There are no rules. There aren't. You, you, as soon as you say there's a rule, you lost me. Oh, yeah. Especially when it comes to true expression. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's things that can get you there. Yeah, you need to be able to have the signal come out of the guitar into an amp. Those mm -hmm. are rules of electricity and, and physics. You know, yeah, you need to have yeah, that. Yeah. But once you have those laid down, then like what you can do with them is endless. Oh, yeah. And you know, you know a thing about Sonic Youth is specifically and them doing that kind of stuff, it's not gimmicky. No. You know, the bands, you, you see them doing that kind of stuff and be like, okay, all right, dude. <laughs> you, you know, you know, it's kind of yeah. like, it's not a gimmick no. with Sonic Youth. There is, they're just doing it because that's what they know it's going to sound a certain way. Yeah. And they want that and they want to give you that feeling. Mm -hmm. They probably did it on a record and they didn't tell you that that's what they did. Yeah. They made a sound on a the record. They didn't tell you, oh, by the way, the way we made the sound is... Thurston Moore took the drumstick and went like that. They don't care about that. They don't care about you thinking that they're cool because yeah. they use a drumstick. I like the way make, that your voice you use you know? there. <laughs> that was a good impression. You know, like, that's yeah. not what they care about. It's yeah. like, when you listen to the record, did it sound good? Yeah. It just so happens that when we're playing the live show, we got to do that in front of you so you can see. Yeah. I mean, not so you can see, so we can make the sound. Right. That you heard on the record. Well, how you also know it's coming from a tried and true place of uh, being very genuine is that it's 2009, this is 30 years into their career, and they're only still playing at the Vic Theater in front of yeah, 1,000 people. Yeah. You know, they're not playing at Soldier's Field in mm -hmm. front of yeah. 30 or 40,000 people to yeah. where tickets are $200 each. Those tickets, I was 19 years old and I afforded them. They were yeah. probably $35, yeah. you know? And they're well into the career and they're still playing very, I know, I have friends who have played those places. Like, mm -hmm. And this is Sonic Youth, an yeah. inspiration to the sound art, avant-garde punk experimental yeah. ambient world of like heavily inspired me you know i'm gonna have to pull it i keep pulling justin back in here by the way a couple of disclaimers before i even keep going remind me where i am right now a couple of disclaimers <laughs> i wanted to make everybody in the band listens to good music i just keep pulling on justin because yeah. we are in the same camp yeah of, uh, of of music but we all listen to different kinds of music yeah. that's my first disclaimer second disclaimer Kanye West has put out good records you sound like a lawyer <laughs> <laughs> doing disclaimers and stuff by the way for the record I must motion motion push this motion push <laughs> You're on a, for the record. He does, of course. He makes good music. We use them as an example because he's example. the easiest target. He's the most famous, the wealthiest yeah, one. Exactly. But I, I enjoy a lot of his music. Yes. Just like I do with many people at that level. Yes. Of course. And number three disclaimer, Conor McGregor has been humble many times. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, maybe he shouldn't have thrown things through buses and cut people's eyes. Yeah, maybe he should have done all those things. You know. But he was always humble in defeat. I will say that. <laughs> That's good. He was, and always always very, very nice to the people that he had beat, except for that one guy, except for the Khabib thing, but that's another thing. Anyway, where was I? Talking about bringing Justin back into the, the conversation, you were talking about how Sonic Youth, you can still go and you can see Sonic Youth at small shows for $35. Let's shit on somebody else. Foo Fighters, you can't buy a Foo Fighters <laughs> ticket for $35. No, you can't. <laughs> you can't buy a Foo Fighters ticket. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. Dave Grohl, when you hear him in interviews, when you see the way he is, you're like, this guy is down to earth still. He is. Like he's, he, he did is. not leave this planet with, with his, his fame yeah. from two different bands. Yeah. Um, 
I know how bands work, and I know how uh, how words and 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 association with words work. And yeah, he is a he's a great singer, mm-hmm. writes great lyrics, great drummer. Um, definitely not like an outstanding, phenomenal guitar player, but a, a good guitar, mm-hmm. solid guitar yeah. player, solid musician. Mm-hmm. But yeah. He got something because he was in Nirvana. Yeah. He was in one of the biggest he bands ever. We still yeah. listen to Nirvana. Those songs are still yeah. in movies and yeah. TV shows to this yeah. day. So yeah, Foo Fighters is cool. I'm not taking away from the Foo yeah. Fighters. Yeah. But let's say you got a couple legs up in yeah. Foo Fighters because you got to attach that little resume, that CV that said yep. Nirvana. Yep, yep, yep. Justin, Justin does not like Foo Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, I have no problem with Foo Fighters at all. I have no, I mean, but, I, do I have problems with Foo Fighters? Yeah, I do. I have problems with Foo Fighters. I, I, I love the first few records. Yeah. And then I feel like they started making Tom Petty records and I'm like, what's mm. going on? <laughs> I don't even I know. haven't listened much of their later like later records. Yeah. You know, I just know their stuff from like the nineties. Yeah. That's well, that's the best though. Yeah. The 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 first record, um, Color and the Shape. Yeah. Um uh Nothing well, Left to Lose. Yeah. Uh, the one with a uh, monkey wrench. Mm. Uh, and uh and then like maybe a, an album after that. Um, and then after that, they kind of that one with the best of you. Uh, that that was best of you was um that was a good. I'm not it familiar with it. I don't think it was. A, I wouldn't say it was a, one of their greatest records, but it had good singles. Got it. And best of you was one of them. That was okay. a pretty great single. I like that song a lot. Yeah. Um, but like after that, it just kind of. I don't know. I think it was more. It became the cult of Dave Grohl more than mm. more than. Uh, I don't think they have been forced to make a really, really good record in a while because the cult of Dave Grohl being cool is enough to carry yeah. that band. That could happen. Um, that could happen. Can, what happens with yeah. the actors, yeah. with the movies they make, it's like just because they're in it, mm-hmm. you know, people want to go see it. Yeah. TV shows are like that. Comedians, it happens to co- certain comedians. Yeah. They did well for a while and then they kind of just stopped, you know, creating, making mm-hmm. jokes and they just kind of stayed there. Yeah. Does, it, does that happen with fighters? Do they, they get to a stagnant spot because yeah. they don't keep pushing their abilities? Yeah, you know, it, of course it happens to fighters. What there's a saying that there's a saying that goes around in the fight community. It's hard to get up and run five miles in the morning when you're sleeping in silk sheets. Nobody uh, nobody wants to get up and run them five miles when you're rich. When I mean, that it. metaphor <laughs> can go across all creative things. Yeah, it's hard to get up yeah, and. Uh, Write a record in your dingy, exactly. leaking mildew basement when exactly, you got man. when you don't have it when, when you, you have, have a basement that doesn't anything. leak and it's not exactly, dingy. Man. It's got a flat screen TV and a bar yeah. and expensive alcohol and exactly. famous artwork everywhere. You know that, that first Foo Fighters record was recorded on like little tapes. Mm-hmm. Like they, Grohl just went and he did all the instruments. You know, he put it all together and he was doing it while he was in Nirvana. Yeah, he was. You know, he was. so like it definitely it, came from a place of pure intent. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, it's different when. You are now Dave Grohl. You, essentially, you are the face of alternative rock, or not even alternative rock, just rock. Yeah. And now you got to get up and you got to make a record. And before you played all the instruments, now you got like an army of people. I keep talking to one of my friends, Phil. I'm like, bro, how many people are in Foo Fighters? Like, every day I wake up and there's a new member. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like it used to be just Taylor, him, Taylor, yeah. and like the other guy. Like, what's what the hell? Like, how many people are in this band? Mm-hmm. You know. But, uh, yeah, anyway. I have a question for you. Go on, yes. Do you have silk sheets? I got nice sheets, but I ain't silk. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, how do you get up and run five hours in the week? Like, I mean, I don't have, 
I'm, I'm hustling. I'm trying to get somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm really hustling and I'm trying to get somewhere. When it comes to boxing, I have no... I'm never going to tell somebody that I, I'm trying to be world champion. Or right. I have no desire to do no, any of yeah. that. That's just the thing that I do on the side. But it's like, yeah, how do I get up to to grind for the law stuff? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make this money, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have a lot of it. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, I get by. You know, you pick me up in the Gold Coast. You know, I'm. Yeah, I'm, it's a I'm, nice I'm, area. I, it's a nice area. I'm hanging in there. You know, everything's You're good. You're the I'm south doing, part of it. You're trying to get to the north. Trying part. to get to the north part of it. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like moving on up. Yeah, man, moving on up. Yeah. <laughs> um. So with boxing, your boxing career is what level would that be? Is it an amateur? Oh yeah, it's amateur. Yeah, it's amateur. I mean, if I wanted to, if I wanted to try and give it more prestige, I would say high amateur, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. With boxing, to be, I haven't even had one fight in boxing. Oh, really? I've only had fights in kickboxing. Okay. Um, it's just, but I spend so much time in the boxing gym. People think that I, my my belt is in kickbox, is in Muay Thai. It's not in boxing. And that um, belt, that was a national yeah, belt for national ref for, gear. Belt. What was it, Class B? You said Class B. Class B. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. What would what that feel like when you? Who, oh, who did you beat? Who like you don't have to say his name, but like I don't know his name actually. Okay. I don't know his name, but it was he was an easier fight than. Well, no, that's not true. <laughs> he didn't look like the other guys that I fought. He was not as imposing okay. or scary looking as some of the other guys. Yes, intimidating as the other guys that I fought. But I didn't stop him. I've stopped everybody else. Mm. I didn't stop him. There was a moment that I think the ref should have called it. Um, I hit him pretty hard. And his head, his eyes rolled into the back of his head. Oh, man. And he was like... Like a, like a punch? Yeah. He, I, I think I hit, I hit him... He was there. I hit him with a with a jab, bang, and he was like, it was a really stiff jab, and he went like that, and then he was like, come on, you know, I, I said like that didn't put me out, and I hit him with a bang, bang, a one two, and he just went, his eyes just went to the back of his head. And they didn't call and it. And he was on one leg. Oh, okay. And just kind of, and he was trying to like grab my legs mm-hmm. when he fell to the ground. Sorry, I moved away from. No, it's okay. Like, he was trying to grab my legs as he fell to the ground, and the ref just. Kept standing him up. Why? Just kept standing. I don't know. I was like, man, you, bad refing, You huh? are killing this guy. Yeah, you are literally killing this and guy. You're the one killing. Well, I mean, I was killing. <laughs> I mean, I, I was trying. I at a certain point, I was trying to hurt him enough that the ref would do his job. Yeah. I was like, this guy, bad ref, he, huh? Yeah, but then he was a tough guy, and he made it. He made it. It could have been a knockout. It could have been a knockout. He could have just given up. Yeah. Like, I could have hit him, and he could have just gone down. Mm-hmm. But he stayed standing. I don't know his name. Mm-hmm. Um, when was this? This was in 2019. Okay, so about a year, year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you won this belt. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that your first, like, big yeah. championship belt? No, yeah. My first, yeah, yeah. Wow. Everything else was just little plastic R- trophies. Pla- ribbons and little yeah, medals yeah, yeah, and stuff, yeah, yeah, but yeah. this is, yeah, like, a legit. First belt. That was the first wow. belt, yeah. What, where was this at? In Iowa? This is in Iowa. How was a lot of people there? Because yeah, people there. People were competing from Canada. They came down. People competing from all over the country. They came. How do you um? How are you eligible for that? Like, what do you have to do to be to get in? You sign up. You sign up. That's it. You don't even need a coach, man. You really? Sign up. No, roll the you, dice don't, you don't have, have to have a, a resume of any kind. Nothing? I don't think so. They show your resume. 
Okay. They'll show your resume when you... Actually, no. So there's different classes. You cannot fight in class B or class A if you haven't had a certain amount of fights. Okay. So how many fights do you have to have? What qualifies uh, you? I think you needed to have at least two fights to fight in class B, mm. something like that. How many have you had with that How many have I had at the time? Well, they sometimes they make you count everything. So if it's just kickboxing, let me see if I can count them. It's not much. I think it's like five or six. Um, it was none. And after that, I did. <laughs> Sorry, bear with me. It's funny. So six. Six, okay. Six, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've six. had six yeah. fights. Sanctioned, sanctioned fights. Sanctioned fights. Six sanctioned fights. I've had a lot of, we call them smokers. Smokers are unsanctioned fights. Are these like in basements and stuff? Yeah. Really? Kind of. Well, they are gyms. Okay. They're gyms. I've had a lot of smokers and exhibition kind of things, but I've only had six there was like um, the the athletic commission was there. Somebody was there looking considered at considered semi pro. No, they're just they're 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 just amateur. Amateur. It's 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 a funny thing. So that fight I was talking about, one of those fights I was talking about, there was no headgear, there were no shin guards, and we were using twelve ounce gloves. It was in a cage, and there were other professional fighters happening at the same time. Athletic commission was there looking at them while they were wrapping our hands. That was a professional fight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was a professional fight. But it doesn't go on my record as a professional yeah. fight. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So you've had, and how many uh, expi- exhibition fights have you had? Uh, I don't know. A lot. Yeah. A bunch. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly don't yeah. know. Have, just, you've never been knocked out? I've never been knocked out in a fight. I've, I've had to take a standing eight count in the gym because mm. I spar with some pretty, pretty good guys. Yeah. Shout out to Rick. No, Rick the Third. Yeah, man. <laughs> Have you ever been um, worried about the, the physical damage to you uh, over all the years? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, a very, I'm, a very, I'm a very defensive fighter. I okay. don't take shots to the head. That's good. I don't but take can't, shots. Body shots can still have damage body to the head. Body shots hurt, but like you can, you can condition your body for that. You can condition <laughs> Callous your body the, like the shins. Yeah, yeah. You know, do, do, some, do some ab rolls and things like that to get your, uh-huh. get your core tight. You may not, they may not see the abs that you got when you do the ab yeah. rolls because you got all kinds of turkey and, turkey. and spaghetti <laughs> yeah. all over it, but your abs are still. I do some things with abs and some ab exercises that I make some of my um, uh clients in like classes do Mm -hmm. and they're like oh my god i'm dying and they see me and i'm when i'm not on when i'm not in fight weight i look like a hamburger Mm -hmm. and they're like how is how are you able to do that so i was like it's underneath it yeah i was like yeah man because your core is more than just six back abs your core is solid yeah yeah, exactly i take i take serious shots to the body i can eat them like for breakfast I, can I punch you after this I don't wouldn't, I prefer for you not to but, <laughs> I don't but I could probably take it I could probably I don't, take yeah, it yeah you're just sitting there alright hit me <laughs> I'll probably break my wrist doing that no thank you I don't know how to punch oh well yeah that's another thing you gotta learn how to punch man. how so how do you how do you punch so, uh, so you know so you got your left hand well whatever it doesn't matter which one it is but um, Bruce Lee punches like this right I don't, again, I don't want to go into minutia and get sure. too crazy. He punches like this, okay. right? Boxers turn it around like that, right? And then they come, they come back here. So if it starts here at the chin, it's going to turn. You're going to use your hip. It more, it's more from the hip than the arm. You turn from the hip, and it's going to come out, and it's going to end up like that. Now, as you box more and more and more and more and more, and you want it to flow faster, 
you may end up, see that, see what I did? I didn't completely turn it around. I'm here, I just went like that. I didn't even clench my fist, mm. right? Because I'm wearing 16 ounce gloves or 12 ounce gloves or 10 ounce gloves, whatever it is. What's the difference between those? I obviously wait, but like which ones are used for what situation? So 16 ounce gloves, and again, it depends on what discipline you're in. Let's talk about boxing, let's just stick to boxing. Okay. Your sparring gloves are 16 ounce. Your training gloves can be anywhere between eight ounces to all the way to 16 as well. Um, I recommend if you're going to be sparring, in my gym, we won't spar you if you don't have 16 ounce gloves. It's just not going to happen. We want that. You need to be protecting yourself and protecting the person that you're sparring with. more cushion. With. More cushion, right? Um, so sparring, we, we, you have to have 16 ounce gloves. For training, you can use any ounce gloves you want, but... Um, I personally use fight gloves to train. So I use 10-ounce gloves to train because I want to condition my knuckles and I want to dig into the bag every time I hit it, right, and callous my knuckles. It's the same thing with the shin. Remember how I talked about kicking the bag and you have those little micro-fractures? When you punch with the smaller gloves all the time, your hands, you're going to condition your knuckles. You're going to, again, same thing when people touch my shins and they're like, oh, my God. When people... Touch my <laughs> like, just knock it to knock. They're like, eek, mm. because I'm always hitting a thing. I'm always mm. hitting a thing. So I recommend using smaller gloves to hit the bag and to hit pads. So anywhere between ten to fourteen ounces. And then when you spar, you can use a sixteen ounce glove. That's my. What do what do professional boxers fight with in a ring? Professional boxers fight with either eight ounce gloves or ten ounce gloves. And both of them have to agree upon it or is it? No, so if you are, are below 240, I think it's 245. If you fight in anything lower, once you get to the welterweight division in boxing, once you get to the welterweight division in boxing, you have to use 10 ounce gloves. I believe that's what it is. I believe once you are at the welterweight limit, it's gotta be 10 ounce all the way up. When you are below the welterweight limit, you can use eight ounces. It's eight ounce gloves, mm -hmm. all right? If you are in mixed martial arts and it's the UFC, you use four ounce gloves. Those little ones. Those little ones. That, that's just yeah. very... It's like... A little it's filament like nothing, of man. cush. Yeah, man. It's like nothing. That's got to hurt to get yeah, with. That's really got to hurt. Have you ever tried that at all or done anything oh, like no, that? No, 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 no. no. Never. I, don't, I, don't, I don't fuck with that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Those people... Yeah. are wild. Yeah. I don't want to get hit with 10-ounce gloves, man. And those guys are fighting with 4-ounce gloves. Oh no, God. thank you. With the fingers exposed and they're putting their fingers in the eyes and shit like that by accident, no, thank you. <sighs> they're always just cut and bloody yeah, and just a... Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough sport. <laughs> so, tough um, have you have you gone back? How often do you go back to Nigeria or London mm. to visit family or just friends or anything? Last time I was in Nigeria was... Oh man, maybe 2017. Okay, that's the last time I was in Nigeria, um, and I it's it's always hard because I can either go back to London or I can go back to Lagos. Lagos is a lot closer, and it's I mean, say Lagos, London is a lot closer than having to go to Lagos. If I want to go to Lagos, I got to fly from Chicago direct to London, and then from London I got to get on another plane and then fly to Lagos or just take one extremely long and expensive flight from Chicago all the way to Lagos, or from Atlanta to Lagos, or from New York to Lagos. Yeah. They're just very long flights. How long? Man. 12 like, hours? Yes. So, something like that. That is long. It's long, man. And if you're, in, I don't get, I'm not in first class, mm -hmm. or even business class. 
I don't want to be in economy class for like 14 hours, yeah. 12 hours, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I just, usually I I just defer to going to London because yeah. maybe my parents will be there, you know. Do they still live there? Yeah. yeah. I, well, no, they live in Nigeria, but okay. they spend a lot of time back and forth. They go back and forth. They'll go back and forth. So like, you know, maybe we'll go back there or, um, you know, I, I, I prefer that. And a lot of my extended family um, on my dad's side mm. is in uh, the UK. Mm. So either way, but a lot of the, my extended family on my mom's side is in Nigeria. And, but then they're also here too, so it doesn't make a difference. Like, you can go all over the place. Yeah, you know. You spread across yeah, the world. We're, we're all over, man. We're all over. <laughs> I, I prefer not to, and because we're all over, I prefer not to spend 14 hours. Yeah, flying for real, Lagos, for like, real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned teaching. Are you a coach too? For yeah, I teach, I, teach, uh, I teach boxing. Boxing? Uh, I teach it at... Um, at the gym that I go to. So, Where's that gym at? Uh, it's in it's in downtown Chicago. Oh, okay. It's in the Loop. Uh, it's called Franklin Street Boxing Club. Shout out to Franklin Street Boxing Club. Everybody, come and support this gym. Yeah, come in and keep it alive, man. What, what streets is it on? Give uh, a shout. Out. It's on what street? Yeah. Uh, I think I know it's on Franklin. Franklin. It's on Franklin and something. What is it? I don't know. I don't know. If you if you guys know what the Ernst and Young building is, that's where <laughs> yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. It's close to when you're about to cross into um, uh, West Loop. Okay. Yeah, it, it's um, that's where it is. Very yeah, cool. Yeah. So it's a it's a good gym. It's like it's got a lot of uh, uh, you know white collar guys in there. A lot of accountants and lawyers and just just normal people going about normal lives who come in just to get a workout in. Yeah. But at the same time, you got some savages in there as well, man, who are like, like me. (laughs) You know, you got some people who we do this thing and we fight a lot. Like we spar on a regular basis. I would love to see you spar. I would love to see you do an actual like match when they come back. Oh yeah, man. You might have to stick with sparring for a while, but you know, when the matches come around, yeah, man, I, I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see see. how it goes. You don't know how you feel about it. We'll see how, if I'm, if I am, um. Like if I'm can make weight, if I can get to my weight goals at the end of 2021. What are your weight goals by the end of 2021? I want to be floating around at two, no more than 218. Okay. That would be wonderful if I could just be kind of floating around 218 pounds. So you just lose 10 pounds when you want to fight. Exactly. Which is very doable. Very doable. Once you have to start losing 30, 30 25, yeah. it I sucks. I don't like any of that. And it's part of the body. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I don't want to fight guys who are 250 pounds and 280. <laughs> I'll spar them, but I don't want to fight 200, them. You've sparred 280 pound guys? 280 pounds? Oh, yeah. I've sparred 280 pounds. One of my... One of my um, um, regular sparring partners. Name's Oli. Fella from Manchester. Shout out to Oli from Manchester. Oli. <laughs> I'll send him just this bit. I'll, I'll, I'll send it just this bit, send it to him. Yeah, he, he, he started off at, I think he was like 255 when he first came in. Oh, man. And I think now he's maybe 240, 245. And this guy, he's not like a 245 and a hamburger. Oli is a fucking unit. How tall? He's taller than me. So like six four, six five. Yeah, <laughs> he was a professional rugby player. Oh boy, that's this guy scary. is a, he's a solid two forty five. Yeah, when he is, he's the hardest guy. I've never been hit by anybody harder than him. <laughs> besides me, when I yeah, when so I, when besides I, you, right? <laughs> I wonder how hard could I hit? Well, I'm one seventy, five ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you mentioned when we were talking in the basement last time you were here 
that you were like looking at me and you're like, yeah, I would get you down to 160. Yeah, yeah, you would fight at 160. And then you cut five pounds of water. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 155 is what you said. Well, 155. Oh, my bad. Sorry. I don't know if I'd like 150. I don't know if I want to be that low. It's only for like a day, man. I haven't been like 155 since I was like 15 or 16. Bro, it's only for, it's, not, it's you're not really 155 <laughs> when you fight at 155. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so. Yeah. I don't know if I could ever fight, but yeah, I, I definitely, um, I grew up playing a lot of sports, but nothing, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. It was always basketball was my main thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Football, baseball, all backyard stuff, some, some organized sports, but nothing contact high like that, like mm. fighting, you know. Yeah, I'm grateful I didn't do too much too much contact sports just for the safety part of it. But I did so much basketball. My my ankles and knees have always been getting messed up, rolling them, tearing them, rolling them, tearing them. You know? Yeah, I remember you saying something like that, and I was like, "Jujitsu is a great sport. It's a great thing to know. But if you have a lot of torn things, I do. Can't maybe do it. don't do jujitsu. That's what I was. <laughs> I've heard that, and I'm like, yeah. yeah. I I mean, just in this past June, I uh, tore one of my muscles or ligaments in my left knee. I've done that three times, same knee. Mm. And I've rolled my ankle so many times from, I, I was the center. I played center and organized basketball. So I would jump for every rebound mm-hmm. and uh, land on people's feet. Ankle goes sideways. Yep. And when you're 15, it's subtle. Same thing but that with stuff me, adds up. Yeah. You know, I did that too when I was young. I played the basketball. I wasn't good at it, but I played basketball. You had the size. I was, cent- I was a center as well. Yeah, 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 you had the size. Yeah. You just, it just, you didn't have the coordination for just, it. It's just, nah, man. It's I a whole different thing. I would have had to put in a lot of time to get good at it, you know. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, you would have been great at fighting for that yeah, ball. I was good <laughs> at it. Yeah, man. I knock people, I fouled people all the time. I just kept You're fouling. You're not allowed people. to punch people in the face. I just kept, I with elbows and shit like that. Like I would come down, come down, boom, like that, you know. And I was also spraining my ankle a lot. Yeah, ankles, it's yeah, the worst. For, I mean, like, think about it. You're taking your mass, you're jumping. Higher than the average person jumps and landing on it over yeah, and over, over and, and over, over again. again. And nine times out of ten, you're landing on uneven on surfaces because yeah. of feet. Because of feet. Feet, feet, feet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem with so many awesome sports. Fighting. Yeah. Football, basketball, football. skateboarding. Mm-hmm. I mean, like extreme sports. Jeez, I love extreme sports, but oh, yeah, get too. hurt all the time. Yeah. You know? I seemed, I loved I used to love it, man. I had a skateboard and everything. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm hurt. This is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna watch this on the ESPN. I'm gonna watch the X Games and that keep it like yeah. keep it at that. I love watching those people. That that new thing they have. Well, I don't know how new it is, but like the super super ramp where they the skateboarders come down, and they jump and they do like flips and fourteen forties, and they land on the other side. It's this massive ramp, and it's just so scary. And they land on the other side. Yeah, it's huge. They go fifty feet, a hundred feet. They go flying. Really? They come flying down this wooden ramp, super steep slope. It's very smooth. They hit it and they just go flying. They do crazy wow. acrobatic things. They land on the other side. They go up this massive half pipe, do more stuff, and then land again. It's part Holy of like a combined point shit. system. And it's wild. When I've they never get hurt, seen they that. get hurt. I've only seen the the half pipe. Oh, this is beyond I've, that. It's like a whole new thing. I've super ramp? Super ramp? When did I don't it start? Know. Like, Probably in the last decade, okay. maybe the last five years. Huh. Man, it's extreme. That. It puts extreme sports is, to a whole that, new that level. That is very scary. Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking about it. Well, it's funny you say that, but you sit there punching people. I know. A lot of people <laughs> say the same thing about me. I'm a very, very risky person. Like, are you afraid person. of spiders or snakes? <laughs> oh, no, that, yes. I don't like snakes. I don't like spiders either. 
I don't like spiders. I don't like things. I don't like things that crawl or slither. But you'll let someone kick you in the head. No, that's fine. I can control. That's a controlled environment. I I control what happens in oh, that I environment. Oh, I see. You have a control problem. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I do have a control problem. I don't like that. And I don't like snowboarding. I don't like none of these things. I like watching other people snowboard, but I don't want to have to get on a mountain and come down. Nah, man. That's scary shit. I don't want to do none of that. Oh my God, that's so funny. There's nothing scary about fighting. I'm controlling. <laughs> it's all control. But you can't control what they do. It's true. Well, you can control how to defend yourself. So much, but what if they just got they that extra edge you, on you? Just that extra speed, that you know, extra dip, that extra hit, you know? I always feel like it depends on what are your priorities when you go in there to spar? What are your priorities when you're going in there to fight? My priority number one, more than anything, is to not get hurt, not to get made a fool out of. And... So I'm always being defensive. I'm always mm. blocking. I'm always being very, very cognizant of, you know, being stopped. If you if you are able to give me a standing eight count, if you're able to hit me in a way that I need to stop, and you know, good job, man, because I am always thinking about not being in that position. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only really one man who's ever been able to do that to get to me. Again, I got to shout out Slick Rick. Shout out to Rich Richard III <laughs> over at Franklin Street Boxing. Um, he's the only the only one guy who's been able to do that, and that's because he's really really good. He has over forty amateur fights. He's oh wow, yeah, he's uh, a lot of he, blood. In yeah, there. he's a Chicago Golden Gloves, uh, uh, um, you know, winner, heavyweight champ. Like, yeah, yeah, he's really really good. Um, but they're professional fighters who haven't been able to do that to me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You fought like actual professional fighters? I fought a lot of professional guys. Oh, wow. I fought professional kickboxers, mostly a lot of professional kickboxers, and I fought some professional boxers. And you've beaten them too? Well, I mean, it was sparring. It wasn't oh, okay. like... Have they been like, you're you're good, you should go into this? or Yeah. yeah and you're just like, like, nah. I mean, it's like, I got I got things. Man. I'm playing drums. Yeah. I'm, playing, I'm writing memos yeah, I got, and I got, I got to go to the courthouse yeah, soon, you know? you know? And also, there's levels to that shit. You know oh, my I mean? God, like, yeah. There's levels to it. Kickboxing... So for, for kickboxing, if I'm being completely candid, I could have turned pro. I feel like if I really stuck, went, you know, was very devoted to it and kept practicing, mm-hmm. practicing and practicing, I could have done it. Boxing, there's no fucking chance. There's no way. Boxing is not a thing that, I mean, it's not no chance, but I would really need to devote my entire life. And even then, I would have to realize that there are limits to what I could do in that sport. You think it would have been different if you started boxing younger, like exactly. how you did with Muay Thai? Yeah, if I started boxing when i was six years old okay let's start talking about that then there's a possibility for me to actually turn pro there are guys i know right now guys that i've you know i've trained with anything they started boxing late they started boxing in their late 20s in their mid 20s you know their 30s and they they want to turn pro i'm like that will work for a while you may fight a couple tomato cans maybe 10 fights you might win but at a certain point, you're going to meet that guy who went for the Olympics. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're going to meet that guy who was in the Olympic trials when he was 14. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not when he was 30, which is what he is now. Mm-hmm. When he was 14, That's he tried out for the Olympics. And when you turn pro, those are the people, you're going to see those guys. You know what I mean? Even before you turn pro, you're going to see those guys. If you fight at a high level in the amateurs, people forget. The guys who fight in the Olympics are amateur boxers. They're not professionals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of those guys are better than a lot of professionals. Mm-hmm. Don't let the label of amateur or professional confuse you as to how good a person may be at fighting. Or other things. Or other things. We know some musicians. Right. There are some amateur well, they're musicians. they're a professional musician. They're, play- they're paid. It's like 
I have heard so many better musicians than this Mm -hmm. person just because they're paid millions of dollars. Exactly. Just because they said the right thing at the right time in the right time frame with the right genre and the right manager pushing them does not mean they're better than someone who's been playing Sudoku violin since they were three. Exactly. It doesn't. Exactly. So it goes to that too. It's the same, yeah. It's the exact same thing. People need to understand that there is a difference. That, 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 sorry, that it doesn't mean the label professional does not mean that you are better skilled than the other person. It just means you get paid to do that. Yeah. That's all it means. Mm-hmm. So if you are in your mid-20s and you've been boxing from maybe 20 years old to 25 years old and you've now decided you want to become a professional boxer and there's a guy... You, so you're turning pro at 26, let's say. You're turning pro, professional boxer at 26, after boxing from 20 years old to 25 years old. There's a guy, and you have what? Let's say you have 10 amateur fights mm-hmm. in that time. There's a guy who started boxing when he was six years old. He has had over 400 amateur fights, and he is about to turn professional at 26 years old. You might meet that guy first. And that's the end of your career. <laughs> yeah, there's no way you're being that guy. Yeah. Or you may be lucky and maybe you might do 10 fights with other guys who are kind of like you, mm-hmm. who just decided, I want to turn pro mm-hmm. after five years of boxing. Yeah. Right? And you don't meet that guy until your 12th fight. And then he really shows you, you don't belong here. Yeah. Do you get what I'm trying to say? I do. I do. And that's kind of how I know. I'm not being hard of myself. I'm just stating facts. Yeah. I don't belong there. When it's boxing, there's no future for me mm-hmm. as a professional fighter. There is, <laughs> there's no future for me as a professional fighter, as a boxer. Yeah. I started way too late yeah. and I'm way too old. Yeah. Right? Now, kickboxing, it's different. Right? Kickboxing, I've been doing, throwing kicks for a while. For right, twenty for yeah, twenty nine years, <laughs> twenty nine years, yeah. right? And also the sport of kickboxing. I don't want to say that there's less skill involved. That's not the truth. It's just a different kind of skill. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, 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 kickboxing is cerebral, but not cerebral to the extent that boxing is. Boxing is like a language. Mm. Kickboxing is also like a language, but it's just different. You can get away with a little bit more in kickboxing now. At a certain point in kickboxing, I will meet the equivalent of that guy that's in boxing. I will eventually meet that guy, but I think it will take longer for me to meet him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And once I meet him, I don't think it's the end. I can still kind of fight at the lower level, amateur level. Mm-hmm. I could still do that. Do you, you think know? you feel this way? Not saying that it's not genuine. Do you think you feel this way because you've been kickboxing your whole life versus boxing is fresh? So you- in your mind, you feel like it's harder, but really it's because it's not as innate to you? It's because I fought guys who are really, really good at kickboxing, and I fought guys who are really, really good at boxing. Okay. And the difference... Stark difference. There's a stark difference. Got you, it. You know that you're not good at boxing when you fight. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you fight a guy who's really, really good at kickboxing, we're like, wow, this guy's really good. He's got a lot of years on me. Maybe yeah. one day I'll get there. It's not like a complete, like, holy shit. Yeah. Why, why, do I, why am I in this sport? How does your wife feel about these? Oh, she doesn't mind. She loves it. That's how I met her. Gets you out of the house. (laughs) Oh, she fights too? Oh, no, no. She doesn't fight. Oh, okay. But like, she just goes to the gym and throws her hands on her. (laughs) 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 Oh, she's all right with it. She's fine with it completely. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's good. The other thing, the thing she doesn't like about music, she doesn't like that. Oh, the metal? She, she's just like, she calls it Screamo. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not Screamo. It's metal. <laughs> it's not Screamo. It's metal. <laughs> That's so funny. You know what's funny? I think the first time we, we ever clipped on this podcast was you just yelling into the mic right now. Oh, it's sorry. Me- it's but as you said, metal. Like The irony of the only thing that's distorted so far is you yelling metal yeah, yeah, into the podcast. Yeah, is, I, like, yeah. I like it. I'm yeah, glad it happened. Yeah, man, it's I, perfect. I, I hate when she calls it Screamo. I hate when anyone calls it Screamo. No, there's a difference. It's, yeah, yeah. I, I know the stark difference between hard rock Screamo, emo, metal, death metal, yeah, grunge metal, grunge, grunge. There's got to know your categories, but man. then there's like <laughs> subcategories of subcategories, yeah, and yeah. then different elements built into that. I mean, music genres are it's quite complicated, yeah. and the web of them is ever expanding and ever overlapping. And you know, at one point there was classical music, metal came from classical music somehow. Mm-hmm. It, it came That's through right. the 150 years later from the yeah. romantic era of classical music, Beethoven, you have metal. And it's, you can actually see some of the similarities, the mm. rhythm, yeah. the parts, mm-hmm. um, kind of how things move along. There's segments of yeah. metal songs, um, like the orchestration of it. Mm-hmm. You could see a lot of it. Um, maybe they didn't have tube, vacuum tube amplifiers and yeah. distortion and drop D yeah. and with metal cobalt, cobalt strings. Yeah. But, it was still there. They still had lower bass. They still have movements. They still had aggression. Yeah. Just aggression is expressed in a different way because the timbre of the instruments wasn't there yes, yet. It took exactly. time. Yeah. But it was still there. People still felt fury. Mm-hmm. They still felt angst. Mm-hmm. They still felt displacement, you know. Yeah. It just came out in different ways yeah. back then. 100%. Oh, yeah. It's funny that you say that. As soon as you started saying that, I started thinking of the other two guys in the band. Mm. I keep talking about Justin. Yeah. Mike and Tony, especially Tony, the math teacher. Yes, yeah, yeah. Those guys, they are the they're like the classical wing. Okay, of the band, Tony and that Tony's he's when he's playing guitar, it's like he goes, he goes. You know, he yeah. it's like it's like watching a classic. It's like via watching lo- a classic via exactly. Line, via line. Uh, violin, no, violin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's Tony. Yeah, Mike. Mike is a he's the conductor. He's an orchestral. He write. He will go home. We will write a couple riffs and practice. Mike will go home and come back with a song. The bass player. Yes, and it's the most. We always complain. This song is too complicated and hard. Yeah, there are too many guitars in the song. We don't have that many guitars. Yeah, we got two. Why is <laughs> yeah. there seven? And I'm like, why is the beat changing? Why is the tempo changing all the time? Why mm. is the cadence changing all the time? This is too hard. Mm. And he's like, oh, well, you know, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they are the classical guys. But Justin and I are like punk rock. Yeah. Like, it doesn't need to sound good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Well, it, it's probably good. <laughs> Ying and Yang, you got them to bring in their yeah. influence and ideas. Yeah, and yeah. you have you guys that have that raw core of it. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. just different. Yeah. Where do you, you guys practice at a practice space or something? Yes. Yeah, yeah. We practice at a place called uh, Treehouse Studios. Okay, I know where that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's where we practice. And... Uh, we used to practice at a place called, I can't, mm, I can't remember, sorry. <laughs> it was okay. a good place. It was a cool place. So. Yeah. You know, that's such an interesting concept. A lot of the bands in Chicago live in apartments, live in high rises, and then they go practice in apartments and high rises and everything is just like this weird segment thing. I'm like, we live here, we practice here, we go to that 
gallery here. Everything is in these little sections of apartments and complexes, and I'm just used to my house <laughs> where all of that is just here. Everything is just, it's in, the just house. in this house or on this property, you know. And I'm just like, it's so weird for me to. It would be I nice. couldn't do it any other way. It's uh, hard to undo I, it. I don't like having to travel from point A to point B to do everything, man. It's yeah. expensive and time consuming. <laughs> time consuming, expensive, yeah. and. Sometimes you put other people out. You got to time their timing. It's all about scheduling things really well. Here, when people are late, it's like, I'm already here. Mm-hmm. When it's like, because I'm in a couple of bands and we have band practice. If anybody's late, it's like, I'm just at home. Mm-hmm. I could just do stuff around the house. I could sit down, eat dinner longer. I could do some laundry. It doesn't bother me, you know? Mm-hmm. But having to time everything out when everyone's coming from different places in the city, the buses, the trains, it's all very hard to, to choreograph that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, you know, you don't drive. Did you have a license before? Have you driven oh, before? Oh, yeah, I have a license. I don't know why. They should take it away. I'm not very good at driving. I wasn't good at driving before I came to Chicago. <laughs> but, like, uh, um, like when I came to I came to Chicago in 20, 2009, and I haven't driven. So I haven't driven since 2008. Any reason why? Uh, just you know, I got, your thing? Yeah, just, I mean, it was expensive to have a car and everything. Yeah, My wife has a car, and she mm-hmm. drives. And she'll never let me fucking drive. She'd be like, if she's dying, if she got shot <laughs> and somebody needed to take it to the hospital, she's not going to let me. Yeah. You never want to learn? I'll go to a cemetery after yeah, this. No, she's, she's offered to teach me as well. I mean, but like, I just, you like, know how to <laughs> destroy someone's face with your ankle. <laughs> I'm you sure know I how could. to go through yeah. paperwork and yeah. talk to J.P. Morgan. Yeah, yeah, and I, could, yeah I could probably figure it you out. You know how to play yeah. Yeah. a double kick pedal yeah. Yeah. at you know a million BPMs per second. Yeah. But you, but, <laughs> but getting behind the wheel <laughs> in an automatic car. I, you know, I could. I, just, I love it. I, just I love. I need to. I just that's one of the best things about humans, though, <laughs> is like we're still people. Like some people can do such profound, unimaginable things, and then there's other things like, yeah, I don't know how to cook eggs though. I can't do sunny side up <laughs> eggs. You know, it's like it's that simple. Yeah. You know, it's no matter how uh, you might be put in this place, you still have things that make you human. Like, yeah, I don't drive. I don't know how to do it. I'm not yeah. good at it. Yeah. And it's like, but everyone's like, well, everyone drives. And it's yeah. like, but you know how to fight someone better than anybody else I know of. And it's it's just interesting to yeah, see yeah. the dynamics of a person. And math. And there's no ro- math. I don't know how to, driving, I'm not great. Math, I'm worse. <laughs> math, oh, man. Oh, man, I'm terrible at math. Yeah. There's a guy at work that I have to go to him and be like, hey, man, do this math. Because, <laughs> like, we have some cases that have, like, some a lot math, of math. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, just do this math. And when we talk to opposing counsel, just come over and, like, scare him with how much you know this math. So you don't have to know how to do math to be a lawyer. Oh, Everybody who became, well, not everybody. Most people who became lawyers were the guys that in, were all the assholes that couldn't become investment bankers became lawyers. You think so? (laughs) Yeah. All the people in college that you didn't like, who couldn't do math, they became lawyers. And the guys you didn't like, who could do math became investment bankers. Why is that? Why do you think that it... Why, now, you're the lawyer, so you're telling me something that I'm not generalizing. So you right. tell me, why do you think that is? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I became a lawyer because my dad said I should become a lawyer. <laughs> is your dad proud of you becoming a lawyer? Oh, yeah. He very, well, my dad My dad is proud of crushing my dreams. He's proud of... <laughs> he's, he's very happy about crushing my dreams. Like he, oh, that was really heavy. <laughs> yeah, man. He, he's, he's proud about crushing my dreams. He said to me once, he was like, we were talking about something with like a bunch of other people, and I was, we, we, the the conversation was really, really. You need to be a lawyer to kind of like appreciate the kind of things we were talking about, right? And and not just any law, like business law, finance. And uh, he was like, 
<laughs> Remember how you wanted to be an artist and you wanted to draw? <laughs> Look at you now. <laughs> And you're like, ah, oh, like, that hurt. I looked at him like, yes, I remember that. And I still wish that that's what I was. <laughs> wow. Well, I guess you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you the, the heaviest question then. There you go. Do you wish you would have stuck with doing art? Nah, man. No, no. Nah, you're I, okay I, with I'm it? Quite, I'm quite happy. Yeah. I mean, well, let's see how this goes. Hey, you're so <laughs> young actually, enough. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah, let's I'll wait. ask you in 20 years. Yeah, ask me in 20 years. That's when you I know. need this money. When this money, <laughs> when I made all this money, I'd be like, yeah, fuck this art. I don't care about the droid. I need this money. <laughs> how about this, though? Yeah. There are people. Who make that art? Who make those graphic novels? And they make good money doing it. It's true. Imagine if you well, were imagine Apple. imagine that. Imagine people doing what they love and making yeah. money. Yeah, <laughs> it's not enough people. Sadly, it should be more. Yeah, yeah. But it does happen. Yeah, man. and um, that's a whole nother outlook on life. Oh yeah. When like you feel like you're not working, you know, and you're just having fun, mm -hmm. and you get stressed out because the thing you're having fun with matters so much to you, and it matters to people. Mm. When you're doing something that messes with, I'm, I'm using. Simple words here. When you're messing with someone else's vibe, someone else's creativity, and you're responsible for translating it, like audio engineering, someone else's music, mm -hmm. or someone has an idea and they hire you to create an image to draw something off of them, your input of the creativity and every experience that led to you to have that ability and that, that ability to think outside the box to create the artwork, you couple that with the fact that you might care a lot about what the, other, the client wants or what the, the talent wants, it's uh, it it can be stressful because you have nothing to gauge it against. Mm. You have no you you are the boss and you have no rules and because there's no rules to art, so you're yeah. kind of sitting there like, yeah. those rules to create a color for paint, but then what you do with that color is up to you, you know. Mm. And so yeah, it gets it it's its own form of stress when you're like my my livelihood depends on me doing something right by the person who it's their their creativity that they want accomplished coupled with my creativity that I've been working at my whole life and I want to be satisfied with my work and I want to please them and that's a weird stress to be in. Yeah. It's a weird place that it's hard to explain yeah. unless you're doing it. You I know? can I can imagine. It's a, it's a, it's a re wrestling between you what you objectively think is good and what somebody else objects. Yeah. And it's difficult because it isn't an objective issue. It's yeah. subjective. It's, right? It's all it's so subjective. Yeah, you're like, yeah. like uh, you have to um, you put the, the famous phrase, fake it till you make it, mm. you put that together with, um, like, you know, do what you love, you never work a day in the li your, your life, and then also, like, never try to, um, you know, be who you are, be true to yourself, and never, like, try to appease anybody. You put all it together, and it gets, that's actually quite stressful, because you're like, well, you're, you're in your head fighting with that subconscious voice, just like, and conscious voice, just like, yeah. don't do it this way, don't do it that way. And that person, they won't notice, but they will. And you're just back and forth, like, I don't know. And you got to go with your gut. It kind of just yeah. goes down to that instinctual yeah. part of your your entity. You got to do for you. And then when the client comes back and says, these are the changes you got to make, then I guess you got to find a way to reconcile those changes with what it is you want to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's hard. It is hard. But the best feeling is when you do what you loved and they loved it too, and you literally just stay stay true to yourself, and you did yourself, exactly what you, what wanted, you wanted, and do. they still liked it. And yeah. then you're just like, yeah, it that makes your day, it makes your it makes your year. Yeah, it does because not a lot you can't get that satisfaction in work often mm -hmm. at a job that you didn't you don't want to be at. Yeah, there's a guy who does our artwork for the band, and that's kind of like I'm sure he gets I'm sure he loves it working with us because he'll like do the thing. Oh, I should give a shout out yeah. to to him as well. Uh, why am I blanking on 
I need to give. Oh my god, my your phone fell over there. I want to give. I want to give. His name is Chris Noble. What? His name is Chris Noble, <laughs> but he has a um, he has a special handle on uh, on Instagram, and I want to give that special handle so that people will know. Oh, I remember Trashbag Ghost. <laughs> There's Trashbag Ghost. And Trashbag Ghost, he makes some awesome, he does some really, really cool things. Mm. And when we work with him, at first we're all thinking to ourselves, what do we want the album art to be? Do we want it to be this? Do we want it to be that? And we always kind of just like, let's give it to Chris and let's just see what he comes up with. Mm-hmm. And we give it to Chris and he does what he wants. Yeah. And he's like, do you want this color? Do you want that color? And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Aside from that, that's the best type of That's way much. to work with a creative yeah. person. Yeah. I, I agree with that 100%. I always try to do that with people. I say, when I like, like this logo, you know, I just told the person, like, I gave them two things. I was like, I just want a brain being shreds with hands mm-hmm. and like maybe like an image of me underneath it or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they did this. I didn't say color, texture, pattern, size, dimensions, font, none of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, and you know, sometimes they ask, like, what do you want? What do you want here and there? I was like, I chose you to do it because I like your work, your mm-hmm, style naturally. Exactly. So I don't want to mess with that. I don't want to get in your head. Yep. I don't want to make you contort anything, make you go any down any path you normally don't feel comfortable going with. Mm-hmm. So you give very subtle and very superficial guidelines and then yeah. let that person's creativity like do what they do best. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's like the best part about it. I mean, is that what you kind of do when, with coaching someone? You see their potential as yes. a fighter? You give subtle guidelines, but you let them. You let them do yeah. what they do best. Yeah, you know when. So I mean, I've never coached somebody who was getting ready to fight anyone. Mm. Eh, no, that's not true. I've done a little bit, but like <laughs> the, the the most of the time when I'm coaching people, it's just so that they know how to box. They can mm-hmm. learn boxing. Everybody boxes in a different way. Everybody, every fighter is different. Everybody's got their own thing. There are a couple of things that are like staples, but everybody kind of fights different. Uh, what you need to do as a coach is you need to see what limitations that person has as you've been given as they've been given to you. Let them work on the things that they can work on to be better. Um, point out the limitations, but don't let that stop you from teaching them how to be good at whatever it is that they are good at. You get what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you need to look at Look at what you've been given. The things that the person does well, you need to encourage that and you need to bring that to the front. The things the person does badly, you need to let them know that they're doing it badly, but don't let that become what this session is about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Otherwise, they're not going to come back to box. More of a constructive criticism. Yes. You know, you need to tell them if they keep throwing, if they're standing like this and they keep throwing and they keep coming back here, you got to be like... Bro, you got to put your hand up mm-hmm. here, otherwise you're going to get hit, right? I tell them one time, two times, three times, and then I stop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They keep doing it. For that session, I'm just going to stop. If that guy is throwing a good jab, I'm going to be like, that's a good jab. Keep throwing it like that. You know? If the feet work is good, I'm be like, yeah, keep using the feet like that. I'm going to focus on the things that are good. I'm not going to make this an unpleasant experience for you because you're not doing one thing or two things right. Hmm. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. You, if you encourage that, and if you do that, and the person keeps coming back, 
they're going to want to learn how to, they're going to want to now focus on what it is that they're not doing right. Mm -hmm. And then you can be like, well, I've noticed you never bring, when you throw your right hand, you never bring him back to your face. You throw your right hand from your face and then when your right hand comes back, it ends at your waist, mm -hmm. not your face. Mm -hmm. Let's work on that. That should not be the second session. That should be maybe the seventh or the eighth. You get what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. So you got to look at what, you're given and work with the best parts of what you're given instead of focusing on the negatives when you're training someone. That's the way I see it, especially if you're not training them to fight. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, don't, don't lose track of what it is you're there for. You're not there for yourself. You're there for the client. You're there for them to learn something. You're there for them to get a good workout in. You know what I mean? Don't spoil it for them by focusing on things that you know that they're shit at. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're not trying to be... Yeah, they're not trying to fight. They're trying a to... professional yeah, boxer. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So Man. that's kind of how I approach it. <laughs> so much. You've filled my brain. I've learned a lot. Hey, man. You know, thank you for having me, man. Yeah, it's been a while. I think we've been uh, three hours and almost 15 minutes. Oh, three hours my and... God. Right? I didn't realize, man. You just... <laughs> Just sitting here chatting, having bands. <laughs> it's good, right? <laughs> yeah, it just right. goes by. Yeah, man. Yeah. Is yeah. there um, anything else you want to mention or talk about or plug or promote or share? Yeah, man. Anything. Let me let me quickly put some plugs out. I guess Please the do. first one again is I got to put a plug for Miles from Exile. Miles from <laughs> Exile. Miles from Exile. They are a Chicago band that I happen to play in. They're good. They got a new record out. It's called Miles from Exile. <laughs> it's a good record. You know, you guys should check it out. It's streaming on Spotify. It's on Apple Music. Uh, you can buy the record on Bandcamp. So that's milesfromexile.bandcamp.com. We got vinyls. You can buy the vinyls. We got T-shirts. You can buy that. Um, so that's one plug. Oh, and Justin says I should tell you when you're doing DZ Fest you got to call us back to the DZ <laughs> Fest. So if you're going to deny it, you could just hey, keep it on gonna the You're going to like this one, ready? What's that? Uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was given marching orders and I, I did them. Whether, what happens from there is whatever. I cannot confirm or you deny anything. You cannot confirm anything. or deny that you're <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> that's good. I'll take that. I'll accept that. <laughs> Usually pleading the fifth is a sign of guilt, but that's okay. <laughs> I know to be guilty about. But it, but I just have also, nothing. I have nothing I can actually say, say yet. But it's also not a sign of you know, oh, a mission. A mission. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> blanked out for a second there. Yeah. But anyway, Miles from Exile, everybody, you, you check that out. So that's number one. Number two plug. What I want to say: Franklin Street Boxing. I've got to put a plug for Franklin Street Boxing. Again, it's a small gym in uh, in the heart of Chicago, off of Franklin Street, I believe. It's close to the Ernst & Young building, um, just very close to Lake Street. Um, it's right down there in the, in, in the, in the business center mm -hmm. of Chicago. Um, it's a small gym. We've got a really good kind of like family kind of vibe to it. It's not corporate. You know, the guys who own the gym are in there. You know what I mean? Um, everybody there is, you know, we're not like all grunts, like professional fighters. You know, it's not, we don't, it's not no intimidation mm -hmm. in that gym. If you're just trying to work out, we have 
weights for you to work out with, kettlebells to work out with. If you want to learn how to box, I think it's the best place for you to learn how to box mm. safely. Safely. That's the most important part. Exactly. It's a, in serious sport. In this, yeah. And with people who don't have egos. I really do highly recommend people come down and you can come take a class with me. I teach classes on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Mm. And we may get a class on Saturday. We used to, and then COVID happened, and then we don't have Saturday classes anymore. Yeah, how do you do this type of stuff with, that, with COVID restrictions? You know, we just try and be safe. You come in, you... Uh, you you kind of you you wash your, you don't wash your hands but you know the mm-hmm. sanitize sanitize your hands wear a mask if you feel comfortable wearing a mask wear it the entire time if you want nobody's gonna tell you to take it off wear it the entire time if you need me as the coach to wear the mask the entire time I will wear the mask the entire time if you're comfortable and you don't want to wear the mask that's fine we work with you there are no corporate rules that say we should do something or not do something. We're here for you. We'll make it work. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's those are my only two plugs. Miles from Exile and Franklin Street Boxing. That's it. That's well, it. Thank you for plugging those things. And, yes, everyone check out those things. Franklin Street Boxing and Miles from Exile. Yeah. I wanted to plug Diana one more time. Oh, yes. Uh, so I'm going to give you her Instagram handle, Diana's Instagram handle. It's D-Y-A-N-A-P-Y-E-H-C-H-E-K. That's on Instagram, Diana. Great artist. Thank you again, Diana, for lending me. And I think she actually said I could have these. So thank you for giving me these awesome prints. I love them. She's a great illustrator, great artist. Check out her Instagram, support her art. And uh, thank you again for being here. Hey, man. I had a wonderful conversation. Hey, I learned so much. Hey. About it, information I don't know right? anything about. <laughs> like, I don't know anything about fighting, about boxing, about law about Nigeria, about <laughs> any of that. So it was great. And, I, and hopefully one day I can have you back on. Of course, Maybe man. Maybe when you're fighting next year, we'll hey, have you back on. Hopefully, hopefully. Thank you for having an inquisitive mind, you know, Thank and you. being curious about life. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Thank That's you. real good. That will take you far. If everybody was curious about life, we'd be in a better world. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I man. really do. Thank you so much for being here. And um, I can't wait till. I'm going to go check out your boxing thing. One day I'm going to come into Franklin's. I'd love that. Man. I got to try at least once. That'd be great. Because I'm yeah. curious. I got to try Hey, man, I'm telling you now, first session, is all you got to do is pay to walk into the door. It's just 20 bucks to walk into I've, the door. That's it, man. I'm down. And I'll give you the session for free. My, my part, I will waive my fee. I yeah, appreciate man. it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. No problem. All right. Thanks, everyone. All Take right. care. Bye. <laughs>